Hello and welcome to the 250, your apparently continuous, never-ending podcast looking at the Child Play and Chucky franchise because the listeners demanded it. I'm your host, Darren Mooney, and joining me, as always, and finally for today, is my co-host, Andrew Quinn. How are you, Andrew? Insatiable um, fans. When will they stop? I mean, look... We, we monsters did, maniacs <laughs> i mean we we did think that yeah our curse episode you know would, would maybe underperform but apparently you know it, it it listeners just couldn't get enough of it I've, I've already heard rumors that they're planning to reboot the 250 involving none of the original creative team but we we won't we won't we won't delve too deeply into that but yes as listeners have gauged we are back we're talking about cult of chucky the 2017 last cinematic entry in the original child's play franchise and joining us for this discussion, rounding out this conversation, having been present for the previous six episodes, the fantastic Charlene Lydon. How are you, Charlene? I'm fine, thank you. I am I am back. <laughs> I've had some more coffee. Uh, I've eaten. And so I have loads of energy now. <laughs> <laughs> fantastic. We're going to go out in a high here. Yeah. Yes, we, we are talking about Cult of Chucky, which was released in 2017. Another direct-to-video uh, release in the franchise. A second direct-to-video movie premiered um, at, I think, Fantastic Fest. Um, it, when it was released on video, it was released simultaneously on Netflix. Um, it is, yeah, it's an interesting film. It's the end of the line. The last Chucky movie that we will be talking about today. Absolutely no jokes there. Um, absolutely no further episodes to record. Certainly not today. Um, but before we jump into discussion, Charlene, do you remember the first time you saw Cult of Chucky? Yes, I watched it at home. Um, I think I probably said the exact same thing about Curse of Chucky. Like the second it came out on VOD, I just rented it immediately, cancelled all my plans, sat in Friday night. <laughs> <laughs> big bottle of wine, big yolk of popcorn. <laughs> yeah. Um, fantastic. And do you remember like your initial response to it? Um, I, won't I think get... I mentioned you were kind of let down a bit by Curse or you kind of implied that you were kind of a bit eh, so-so on Curse. Yeah, I mean, I'll get into it a little bit more when we're properly talking about it. I was quite thrilled by, say, the last act of this film. Okay. And maybe the, the setup I found more interesting than the setup of Curse. I don't know if I necessarily still do. On a rewatch, okay. but Ooh. you know, um, but anyway, yeah, I know I, I remember liking it, but again, like feeling like curse and cult maybe aren't god tier chuckies for me. Ooh, interesting. Okay, all right. And and Andrew, look, this is the end of your journey over the course of this day. <laughs> you have watched the entire Child's Play franchise from beginning to end, all seven films. Can we get like a temperature check? from you was it worth it did you enjoy it was chucky everything that you hoped he would be absolutely yes yeah no i'm i'm very grateful that i've seen these seven movies i hope someday they will make more of them and um we will probably cover them outside the framework of uh, of an april fool's day gag where we re- release all seven episodes on the same day <laughs> Is, was that what this was i don't know you, i don't even know you, you did this to me as a joke <laughs> I, I thought those numbers were real april fools te- i think it's technically april 2nd now anyway nah. so I nah. <laughs> 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 it's the sound of andrew trying to choke me with whatever energy he has left after 12 hours talking about chucky 
Um, but no, so it was everything I, you kind of hoped for, wasn't yeah, it? Yeah, no, it's terrific. He he is um, an irascible scamp. <laughs> he's a real shithead. Um, and he's small. He's a lot of fun. And and the movies um, have quite a like quite a decent kind of um, hit rate for like as I understand it from kind of talking to you and listening to other people talk about these kinds of movies. So Not every movies, is it? Yeah, exactly. Not everyone agrees with me about how I feel about um, Chucky movies. I guess, but I I I I think the the quality control is quite good. Yeah. I think the the this movie Cult of Chucky is um is great. Um and I I I think it's kind of like I'm I'm wondering like where 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 where, where is it in your kind of is oh. it too soon to ask? No, no, we can jump right there right away. This is my favorite Chucky movie. Yeah, yeah. Uh, this is cannot see Charlene's face. Spoiler alert! I'd figured that out. I'd figured that out. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, yeah, I mean, the maths really wasn't that thought, difficult I when thought, we were talking about curse, and I was like, number one I is still that. unknown. Yeah, <laughs> fascinating. Looking forward to talking about this. So yeah, no, Colt is, is I, my. Favorite. I had a feeling it was either curse or cold, and I couldn't remember which. <laughs> And when we watched Curse, I was like, and then when you spoke about it, but certainly even watching it, I was like, no, this can't be his favorite. <laughs> it doesn't feel like a very Darren movie. Yeah. Whereas, again, this is one of those things where you ask people like questions that reveal how they see you. But were you watching <laughs> Colt and thinking this is a very Darren movie? Well, I guess so. Yeah. I mean, it, it, it's it's maybe um, saying something about like kind of fandom or about the whole kind of meta sort of process of making and remaking and kind of re um yeah i i do love that by the way yeah when we talked about ranking these i was like andrew's like just wait for the chucky movie that's about making a chucky movie (laughs) (laughs) i was thinking that would be like a fake out for seed but i'm i'm that yeah 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 that's pretty much it this is, yeah, that, that's Darren's hot take. We'll talk about it when we get into the Spore Zone. But yes, it does feel a little bit like Cult of Chucky is about like the process of making a Chucky movie, particularly at this moment in time and the logic that drives it and how challenging it is and all that sort of stuff. But yes, I unequivocally love, love, love this movie. And I was rewatching the, the franchise for this discussion, you know, through throughout the day as we have spontaneously without any planning whatsoever, ended up watching these movies one after another after another and talking about it. kind of had to. Yeah, I mean, it, we, it was, we couldn't let people down. No, no. Yeah. I mean, what 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 do you do Yeah. when faced with this kind of... Um, Public demand. Demand. Yeah. You have no choice. They'd burn the studio to the ground otherwise. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, they are outside now, right yes. now, picketing. Um, animals. <laughs> filthy <laughs> animals. But I, I will say... I will say thank They'll you never for get your into the, They'll never get into the Darren Warren. <laughs> but like, uh, even if we, even if we gave them your address, okay, okay, let's, <laughs> let's not give them my address. I, they're I, already outside. They're already outside right now. This but, impregnable fortress. <laughs> 
Thank you, Andrew. Um, but yeah, like while I was watching the, the previous six movies, I was wondering, like, would my opinion of them change? And I think my opinion of several of them did change. Like where I would rank particular Chucky movies on rewatch did shift. I think like I liked Curse a lot more the first time I watched it. I liked Seed a lot more the second time I watched it. I maybe like Bride a little less the second time I watched it, but that's a, a discussion for another time. And I think that I was kind of wary coming to this one because it's like this was... I watched them all in a flurry last year or whatever, the year before during COVID. Would I still think this held up um, after like dissecting and discussing the previous six movies in the franchise? And I was kind of thrilled that it did. So I'm really looking forward to kind of jumping into that. But before we do, just again, some very, very brief context, some very brief background in terms of how this movie came to be. Um, the king of context. <laughs> the context of Chucky. That's the sequel, right? Um, <laughs> But yeah, so Don Mancini, <coughs> after Curse comes out, Mancini's like, we're working on Chucky 7. Universal are like, I'm not sure we're working on Chucky 7. And Mancini's like, no, I'm going to gonna write a script for it. Uh, meanwhile, Mancini, for the first time in years, finds himself working outside of the Chucky franchise, um, whether by choice or for variety or for, you know, the basic need to, like, eat food. Uh, he finds himself working outside of the Chucky franchise. So he goes to two separate TV shows, first of which... Is Brian Fuller's Hannibal. Oh, yes. Yes. Um, one might say that it it is perhaps an influence in some way on Cult of Chucky, but we'll get into that in the spoiler yeah, zone. in some ways, like, not very subtle. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's almost as if at one point Chucky talks about the TV show Hannibal. <laughs> yeah. And now they certainly should I was should... very confused. <laughs> at the, I don't think it spoils no, too much. A... There's a reference made to, like, Hannibal Lecter, and it's like, I love that show, or something like that. Yeah. I'm like, show? Oh, yeah. <laughs> I, I love the idea that Chucky, like, when he's not, like, plotting revenge and not, like, engaged in these Byzantine schemes, is just kicking back with NBC on a Thursday night watching Brian Fuller's Hannibal. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, so obviously, like, Mancini... That, that is the, the bit of the movie that references it, isn't it? He He's positive about it. He's <laughs> like, I like TV, specifically that show can't believe they cancelled it he's he literally says like still can't believe they cancelled it still can't believe they cancelled it right yeah um but i mean one might argue that like the the entire he, movie he watched, vibe sorry he watches tv while not doing any housework yes while not doing the dishes <laughs> and while while a woman does her fair share of killing <laughs> fair very very fair um but yes so obviously mancini goes off he works on hannibal uh, he learns a lot there. I think, like, you can look at this movie and particularly the way the music, the movie uses, like, color mm. and the way the movie uses, like, the color white in particular, which is arguably the absence of color. Don't at me. Um, but you have, like... Um, Black is the absence of color. Yes, that's... <laughs> Water is the essence of moisture. Moisture is the essence of being. But, like... Um, so, there's a lot of blue as well, isn't there? And there's... A, red as well there are lots of black lots of white lots of red um and like designed to make it pop as well like cinematically again it it does feel very influenced by fuller's work on hannibal the cinematography here is by michael marshall um as well we should shout that out but yeah so more accomplished kind of um yeah then i think filmmaking wise it's the best of mancini's three yeah just in terms of craft um, and I mean, we'll, maybe we'll talk about specifics when we get in there, but like he's wearing his influences very heavy on his sleeve. There's a lot of lot of split diopter here. There's a lot of split screen. The the soundtrack by Joseph Loduca, who again, like we accused last week, you know, we get some interesting wipes. 
Yes. Like it, it's very, very, very De Palma. It's very, very, very Hitchcock. Mm. Like Mancini is kind of fully leaning into what have been his key influences on the franchise at this point, but in a way that feels like showboaty at this point for a direct-to-video movie with a budget of $5 million, which to put that in perspective is about as much as like 12 minutes of WandaVision costs. I am surprised <laughs> at both those facts you just threw at me. The, that number one, it was straight-to-video, and number two, it was $5 million. Because the, the production value, yes, including like the cast and um, music and... Um, the set sh- shots the set um, like there's helicopter shots i know i know i know that sounds really patronizing oh with five million dollars i got helicopter shots but there are like beautiful helicopter shots in it was the movie. a really bad helicopter they were it was it was a drone it was yeah yeah it was one, not one of the good drones <laughs> it was, it was, it was a real question whether 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 it was actually going to fly that day. No, the, the real question was whether or not it was going to land. That was yeah. the question. Um, but yeah, so yeah, $5 million, which is, again, a tiny budget. Like, that's an, an episode <laughs> of modern TV. An episode of not particularly great modern TV, to be honest. Like, we talk about, like, the, the Marvel shows have budgets of, like, $25 million per hour. Wow. Of, of I didn't realize that. that. That's crazy. <laughs> yeah. You you saying modern TV makes me feel like there should be uh, like a modern family averse. The way there's kind of a good <laughs> wife and a good doctor. There should be like... Um, um, so it's like modern doctors, modern... Modern, modern workplace. Yeah. <laughs> All the various sitcom genres. So it's like, yeah, modern workplace. Uh, the modern, office, a yeah. modern workplace. <laughs> <laughs> but But yeah, so... To get back to the, the point that I was on there, so obviously Mancini works on Hannibal, that is a key influence here. He also works on Channel Zero, which is the sci-fi channel TV show where they adapted all those kind of like mimetic urban legends. Channel um, Zero? I've never seen it. I was too afraid of it because of the head that was made out of teeth and I could never, yes. ever, 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 ever watch it. Yeah. Ever, and I never will. <laughs> That's the only image I know from it is that face made oh. out of teeth. Um, I didn't know I had a phobia of teeth, <laughs> but I do. But it's like how like, I don't want teeth to have mouths. <laughs> no, no, but it's it's like just it's rows of teeth. Like it's it's the entire. Yeah. Like imagine your entire uh, body. They're like made, tiles. Yeah, like tiles, but they're teeth. Uh, yeah, God. there we go. And it's like that, I don't even know how that's scary because it doesn't have a mouth because all its teeth are on the like, outside. I don't like still... the, the thought of something pearly or marbly rubbing against something that's yeah. also like... pearly and marbly. Yeah. yeah. To be fair, very hard to sneak up on you, I imagine. Very hard for that creature to sneak <laughs> up on you. Uh, very rattly. Yeah. But yeah, he, he worked on Channel Zero, which again was the, the mimetic, like viral creepypasta show. They did a season on like Candle Cove and all that sort of stuff as well. The Mandela effect, all this. Mm. Berenstein Bears and all that. Most of the crew i believe that worked on this worked on channel zero as well because i believe this was also shot up in canada for like tax and budgetary reasons as well mm-hmm. but yeah um again production relatively smooth relatively tight why uh, does anybody make any movies in 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 america yeah like i i think recently there's been a thing where like a lot of movies are being made in atlanta yes but that other states are trying to kind of have their own tax benefits so, to complete. yeah yeah, well, that, that's it. Is that like the reason why you make it in Los Angeles or make it in California is because the industry's there. Like the famous story is The X Files, where The X Files shot in Vancouver, Canada for five years. And it had this wonderful, dark, damp atmosphere. And they could shoot anything famously except for the American Midwest. 
Like they could do anything except desert. <laughs> and very famously, the show's second season finale had them go to a quarry and paint all the rocks red uh, so they could fake the like the, the kind of the Southwest. But like they had to move to Los oh, Angeles. Southwest. Southwest, sorry. But they had to move to Los Angeles because Duchovny wanted to be like be, be near his wife and kids and also like be near his career. So he was like, I'm quitting. And they're like, what if we move the entire production to Los Angeles? It's like, I'll give you two years. And it's like, what if we pay you a million per episode? It's like, I'll give you eight episodes. But like, <laughs> it, it, that That's mostly the reason why it is. It's because that's where the hub of activity is. And so you want to stay near there. So shooting in and around Los Angeles is typically a power move. It's a way of showing that you have the budget and that you have the stars mm. who are that committed to it. But yeah, as you said, generally speaking, the Marvel, all the Marvel stuff is shot in Atlanta. Um, because of the tax benefits that Georgia offers. But yeah, and obviously Canada then historically has had that that reputation as well. Where like the thing that really gets me is Ghostbusters Afterlife, which is this movie about Americana. It's this movie about like the American heartland, which is like these fields of barley and these silos and these farming communities and these old diners with neon signs and stuff. And it's like you find out they actually went and shot that in Alberta, Canada, had to plant the <laughs> grain, build the silos and build these little like diners in which they had to set these things. And it was still cheaper than actually going to the American like Midwest or whatever, which is insane. Oh, that's mental. That is mental. Yeah. America, sort yourselves out. I think Andrew said it before. Why would you make movies? There's just like, it, <laughs> it just makes no no sense. <laughs> no. I say that every day. <laughs> yeah. like, in terms of math. This is a mad idea. Yeah. What are you yeah. thinking? Yeah. I think almost uh, like, like, isn't it? I, I don't know what the actual kind of economics of it are. But I believe in, in, in Ireland, for example, and generally in 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 Britain um, uh, as well, that movies don't make money. You know that 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 you you put money into a movie because there are tax incentives to do so, but that like there there aren't that many movies in the last kind of like thirty or forty years that have actually kind of you know made money for people, right? If only we had somebody on the podcast who uh, worked in the industry and knew the answer to that question. Well, not to get too boring, but like in Ireland, we're actually so lucky because we do have tax incentives that are really, really good. Mm. Um, but also Screen Ireland is really supportive on like in every this is not an ad for Screen Ireland, but like uh, every step of the way, like from development. Aaron just pushes the Yule product to- <laughs> placement off the desk. Yeah. Huel is gone now we're sponsored by Screen Ireland (laughs) but they have they'll support like from development to production and then even for distribution so like it's kind of that bit easier to raise money but like in America there's nothing like that so you're you're solely reliant on the industry and making money now it's a much bigger industry so it's easier to raise funding but they have they have no kind of like Screen Ireland equivalent that will help so that's why you go to Canada. They've got like Telefilm Canada, whatever, you know, and they're really, really happy to be Hollywood North. So <laughs> and social medicine and all these sorts of crazy things. Yeah, all those crazy <laughs> ideas. <laughs> and the, the, the fact that there's a lot of co-productions as well, where something will be kind of like a film for 
um kind of and uh, a screen ireland and yeah. mm. yes yeah well i mean that's yeah. that's the thing with the european film industries i think we talked about we talked about like three colors red not to plug a particular episode of the podcast but i think it's like with european industries it, historically it's always been they have to work together to compete with hollywood so things like say wages of fear which is like a french movie but was shot mostly in spain because you had the various studios coming together because they wanted to compete with hollywood mm. and we had like that situation that weird situation with the oscars and again, I'm going to mess this up and I apologize. So people feel free to at me on Twitter about this. But it's like Three Colors uh, Blue was submitted by France to the Academy and the Academy rejected it because it was not French enough. Because it was like some Polish money was in there and some of the talent was <laughs> Polish and all this sort of stuff. And then it was like Three Colors Red, which was shot in Geneva, but which is technically a French movie. They submitted from Switzerland and they're like, no, it's too French. That's so weird. It, yeah, international <laughs> filmmaking uh, is, is is fascinating. But I, Ooh, I mean, yeah. wrong answer. I'm sorry. Correct <laughs> yeah, answer was French. French. <laughs> <laughs> nice try next year. Um, shouldn't have released all three of them in the same uh, calendar su- year. Submitting three colors white as the Polish entry. Yeah, but that that would have been the obvious answer. But they released them all in the same year, so only two of them were mm. eligible. Uh. Um, I know. But th- that's the thing. Again, we're not. Ta- I love that we're talking about cult of Chucky. And we're like, let's talk about the three colors trilogy. We're like. <laughs> the plan the plan with the three we're colors we're talking about white blue and red. we are talking about white blue and red <laughs> Earlier, um, yeah. but like fairness. the idea was that they wanted to win the three big european film festivals the mm. um the venice uh the berlin the, is it the is it the venice is the lion berlin is the bear yeah and obviously the can palm door mm-hmm. and the idea was that like they wanted to sweep all three in the same year which is like the ultimate like flex and you're like, yeah. if you're going to do that, you better make like the best trilogy in the history of cinema. And you walk out of the screen, you go, you got lucky. Wow. It's amazing where ego can push you, isn't it? Well done, Kieslowski, for making making your ego make the best trilogy ever. Lion, lion bear palm. <laughs> yeah. we, wouldn't it be great? If- did, they, did they sweep them? N- no, I think that they... Oh. The <laughs> the famous story is that Red lost the um, Palm Door to Pulp Fiction. Oh, right. Right. Yeah. That was the year that um, Clint Eastwood was heading the jury. And you have to wonder if like Klesinski going into that was like, fuck. Like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You know what Clint Eastwood's really totally going to be into? This fucking <laughs> Tarantino chap. <laughs> I think I, I like I hope you get to Voltron. The lion and the bear. If you if if, if you win both of them, um, they're designed to fit together. To yeah, build a, a I think so. Third yeah, a and maybe o- make a little tree. Yeah. Maybe the Academy Award as well. <laughs> I do like that. That's the new egot. But anyway, we are here to talk about Cult of Chucky, the 2017 Child's Play movie. Um, before we jump into the spore zone, three questions to get us started. So, Charlene. Do you think Cult of Chucky belongs on a list of the 250 greatest movies ever made? No. Okay. I don't. Okay. Do you, you, <laughs> no. you want to elaborate on that? And <laughs> um, I just don't like. I feel like I, I most like I. It's fine. Um, and then by the end of it, I'm like, this is great. And I think the first time I watched it, I was like. Oh, that was great. But then rewatching it, I was like, actually, I'm not sure if I love the first <laughs> half. And then it goes bananas. And I'm like, this is all brilliant. And then I really appreciate how much it sets up lots of ideas and lots of stuff for the TV series, which is a masterpiece. But I I just kind of have my issues with it. So I don't think I mean, there's only 
I don't, how many Chucky movies Seven. should be in the top? How many should be in the top 250 that I've said so far? I think you said three, maybe four. I, I, yeah, maybe I've said like the first one and, and Bride and Seed. I'm okay. very inconsistent. <laughs> I can't remember. Anyway. <laughs> and, and um, I do think that when we got to Seed, anyway. you wavered a little bit, to be fair. Oh, yeah. Okay. Maybe I did because it should definitely, it would definitely be my top 250. <laughs> but it's, yeah, maybe uh, the, the IMDb top 250 isn't ready for Seed yet. Yeah. <laughs> Anyway, that's my long answer. <laughs> By the way, I, again, just because you mentioned Seed and Seed has pr- Beware the Second Coming as its tagline, one of my favorites. I do like the tagline for Cult of Chucky, which is you may feel a little prick. <laughs> I do love the taglines yes. for these movies. Andrew, would this be on your own personal 250, your own 250? Fa- Sorry, no, would this be on the 250? The 250 um, greatest movies of all time. Like, I I, I guess not. Maybe not. But... Um... But it's great. I I I I I I liked it a lot. I think if you're going to have a Chucky movie on there, you're a bride man. I'm sensing. I I kind of got that vibe. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I I think I think you would maybe have have bride as the 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 kind of front runner. I was about to say that you can't have something that's so kind of self-referential as the representative of it. Because <laughs> um, um, yeah, Pride course, is just Pride a is very movie. Uh, yeah, it's just... uh, self-referential. <laughs> yeah, so I, that kind of ruins that argument. <laughs> but no, it, it's, 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 it's almost a bit too good. Like the, um, there was something kind of... Um, um, it didn't have the kind of wildness of seed, say, for example. It didn't have yeah. like the wild... <laughs> there was there was something kind of um I don't know is schlocky the right word but it, 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 the 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 kind of um maybe camp value of 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 some of the earlier movies like the and the, the, the sense in which sometimes that they were like intentionally bad or, or, or and when I say bad I mean kind of um schlocky yeah 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 exactly but no, this is it's a it's a great movie. Yeah. Um, I mean, I think it's a phenomenal direct-to-video movie. Um, that's I think the given wild a... thing. I can't get over that. That this was like they're, they're, they could totally have put this in theaters, right? Yeah. Like again, this is yeah. one of the best direct-to-video movies I have ever seen. Better than Dead Race Three? Uh, no. <laughs> Better than Wrong Turn 2, I think, is what you mean to ask. And look, Andrew, I'm not going to get into that right now. We don't have time. But no, I I, I honestly do think this is... That's for next April Fool's Day. Yeah, yeah, we're going to do all, all of the wrong turns. But no, I I think like this is up there on like my Mount Rushmore of direct-to-DVD films. Right? So up there, with, What? Lion King 2. Yeah, is that the, direct to DVD? That was direct to DVD. Yeah. Um, that's like Rosencrantz and Guildenstern, but with Timon and Pumbaa, right? But like, I think... No, honestly, seriously, that is the premise of Lion King. It's like <laughs> two and a half or one and a half, they call it. And then like... So shit. <laughs> shit. Shit songs. <laughs> yeah, this would be up there on my kind of Mount Rushmore of direct-to-video sequels, along with like the two direct-to-video Universal Soldier sequels directed by John Hyams, which are, I think is it Universal Soldier Regeneration and Universal Soldier Day of Reckoning. 
um, which are just fantastic. Uh, I think John Himes is the son of Peter Himes, who directed like Time Cop and uh, 2010, The Year We Make Contact. I think actually um, he went on to direct, John Himes went on to direct an episode of Chucky, which kind of ties back in neatly here. But those movies are like the gold standard of direct-to-video action movies. They are pretty much like everything that you could want from an action movie. Uh, I think like, you know, just to sell it for you, I think the second one, which is Day of Reckoning, is basically like Apocalypse Now, but what if Jean-Claude Van Damme played Marlon Brando? (laughs) Which I think is a hell of a pitch. You should uh, should definitely check that out if you're at all tempted. Oh. I've never seen any of the Universal Soldier sequels. You, you like they're the universe the two last Universal Soldier director video sequels are the best movies in the franchise. You don't need to watch any of the other. I was going to say yeah. I don't know that I've seen Universal <laughs> Soldier. I feel like I have, but like not in a long time. It's better than Time Cop is what I remember of it as far as like Jean-Claude Van Damme. Better than Time Cop. They're Sorry. very they're very grim, aren't they? The, the director video ones? No, the the the, the the series, right? I thought of it. I, it's more of a Dolph Lundgren thing, isn't it? Yes, I think. Like, I think Lundgren is up until say, uh, is a Creed two. I think Lundgren gives his best performance in the first of those director video movies, which is which treat treat him as this weird tragic figure, which yeah. kind of almost feels like it's playing with Lundgren's image of this guy who was almost a Stallone and almost a Schwarzenegger, but never got to be, which I think Creed 2 does as well, where there's this kind of sense of he could have been a contender. Mm. But sorry, but yes, I I do not think Cult of Chucky <laughs> belongs on the list of the 250 greatest movies ever made. But if you're limiting it to direct-to-video, I think this is one of the best that I have ever seen. And I think there is a solid argument for it being the best of the three movies that Mancini has made, just in terms of craft and technique. I think it's certainly the most polished. I think, like, I love Seed of Chucky. I love it with all my heart. I think its lack of polish is a large part of its charm. But I do also think that I can see why people reacted the way that they did going to the cinema and, like, just being subjected to Seed. I I think Colt is is a much more accomplished work just, like, in terms of basic cinematic grammar. It's perhaps less ambitious. It's it's less buck wild. I don't know whether that makes it better or worse, but I I just think that's worth noting. Mm. And then, Charlene... Would this be on your own personal 250, your own 250 favorite movies? I don't think so. All right. Don't think so. I think right. I'm sticking to my four, my my one, one two, Bride and Seed. We'll, okay. all, we'll all get in my personal. <laughs> okay, so the first four. So it's the first, uh, sorry, barring three. The first, so four of the, f- yeah. Yeah, four of the first five. So do you want to yeah. do a, like a quick ranking? This is the last time we're talking about this, obviously. But do you want to do... I feel like I've given a different answer <laughs> to everyone. Um... <laughs> Listeners, get your bingo cards ready. Um... Like, I, I would be... I would find it difficult to pick between... Okay. Child's Play 1. Yeah. And Seed of Chucky for first place. Okay. Because I love Seed of Chucky so much. But I also think that Child's Play is... And you can quote me on this to whoever you want. A perfect film. <laughs> um, <laughs> I wouldn't change a thing about it. So I guess, okay. So let's say, are we, okay, we should probably go from seven. Okay. That's very hard. Okay, so, yeah, three. Right. Three, okay. Three is the worst. Okay. okay. Three is the worst. <sighs> then, oh my God, I'm making this really boring, aren't I? <laughs> then like it'd probably be, uh, six would probably be, Maybe curse. Okay. Then five would be cult. Okay. Then four <laughs> would be two. Okay. All maybe right. 
Yeah. And then three would be uh, Bride of Chucky. Okay. And then <laughs> two. It comes down to probably this. Ha- two would have to be Seed. Okay. And then one, I because one has had my heart since I was okay. like seven years old. So there you go. So. Since you watched that, that's Lumber Party. <laughs> um, all right. All right. And then Andrew. Um, same two questions. Would this be on your own personal 250? And how would you rank the Child's Play franchise from bottom to top? Okay. This is going to be tough. That um, It's interesting because I feel like with Child's Play and with Bride of Chucky, I said I'd put them on my 250. And I think I suggested maybe Seed might be on <laughs> just to be like a companion movie. Dip to Bride. To, 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 to Bride. But, uh, but I don't... I, I, don't think it would and and i'm kind of this might actually have a better chance than than seed Ooh, kind of for for so so listeners <laughs> cannot see charlene's face i'll I'll, <laughs> I'll say my my least favorite is six it's curse yes curse yeah yeah oh okay followed by um three okay so six Three. <laughs> um, great, great six radio. Three, great radio. Six three. Great radio. Six three. I mean, six three two. Okay. All right. So, child's play two. Okay. Is fifth. Yeah. Yes, Andrew. That so, is yeah. Yeah. So we should probably have written these down. Seven, before. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. seven to six. Okay. Which 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 is uh, Curse of Chucky. Okay, so um, Curse of Chucky is, is what? Curse of four, right? <laughs> Hold on. So Curse, 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 three, two, and then what is... Curse, three, two, um, and then I, I have four more. Don't I? <laughs> yeah. Yes, um, four more. That's so right. let, let me start from the other... Uh... Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Can we make the system more complex? Start from the other way. Bride, bride, bride is one. Chucky... Sorry, br- oh, sorry. Bride uh, number one. Yeah. Uh, Child's Play number two. Yeah. This number three. Okay. And Seed number four. All right. I'm okay. sorry for making that so complicated. Okay. Okay. I could not wrap my head around it. It's weird <laughs> when you you do have to write it down because you're saying like um, number seven. Yeah. So number six is number <laughs> three, number and six. number number <laughs> number yeah, six, six is number, number three. Number five. Okay. <laughs> I feel like we've both been quite cruel to Child's Play too, but I have no comment to make breaks. on that. Um, that is how it works, apparently. <laughs> I think, like, like I, I, I feel like it's a lot of people's kind of Empire Strikes Back, kind of the best <laughs> the, movie of, the, of the of the Child's Play franchise, right? I, I like, I like that I've been the person waving the flag for her Child's Play two consistently through here. The Secret yeah, Master. It's, it's not bad, but it just didn't <laughs> didn't no. set my world on fire. Like, like I'm I, a big fan, but I guess it's, maybe it has sequelitis right. a bit. But I, I'm, I'm a big fan of Child's Play 2. All right, so it's I good. Yeah. So, I take no pleasure in this <laughs> ranking. <laughs> so, you shouldn't have to rank them. It's not fair. <laughs> don't make me choose. Um, for myself, uh, yeah, so no, I don't think this would be on my personal 250. It's, it would get closest of the Chucky films. Um, in terms of classic slasher movies, I think like it's going to be Nightmare on Elm Street. It's going to be Halloween. Um, those are the two that are going to be up there. Maybe Scream, maybe Scream 2 at a push. 
Like those are like the four slashers that would scary make scary movie. What? <laughs> scary movie obviously, two. No, no, scary movie three. That's the master. <laughs> okay. I mean, obviously, it's going to be then. It's going to be like, Charlie Sheen, isn't it? He's in three and four. Yeah. Yeah. Um. So like, I mean, it's and then obviously, so what, what we got there? We got like Halloween. We got Scream. We got like a, a Nightmare on Elm Street. I mean, we always got to put on Saw Six. Uh, we got to put on like uh, Leatherface, uh, Texas Chainsaw Massacre Two, uh, all the classics. <laughs> but no, um. Obviously, this is my favorite Chucky movie. This is as close as I think the franchise gets. Maybe after a couple of more watches, it'll be up there. If I was ranking the franchise very quickly from bottom to top, it would be, um, and this is the benefit of me being the host as I thought about this. Um, so I have the secret, the preparation <laughs> time, and I'm still going to mess this up. But it would be like three at the bottom. Like, I think an uncontroversial choice. Um, fairly uncontroversial. Fairly uncontroversial. I don't hate it as much as other people do, but yeah, yeah. yeah. Are you ready for the hottest possible take on rewatch? Bride. What? Yep. Ooh, ooh, ooh. Yeah. <laughs> then, then, then. That is crazy. Then <laughs> that is You've just lost wrong. your mind. Yeah. Is it because you feel it's like dated because it's like so post screamer like what's the what's I, your major beef in one line I don't really have a major beef with it like I think that after three they're all varying degrees of good hmm. I think that three I think sorry I think for me what was striking on rewatching it was the fact that it takes 45 minutes to start hmm. like it, it takes 45 minutes to reach its premise and I love all of the individual ingredients of it I just don't know that they add up to me in the way that they did on first watch yeah. which is okay. very strange because of the movie that i'm going to rank higher than it in a couple of moments which we'll get to that <laughs> so okay so so it's three it's bride it's curse curse is another one that kind of fell for me a little bit on rewatch um again i think it works really well on first watch i don't think it works as well when you know what it is mm. i think part of the joy as of that movie is discovering I've, I've, curse and three have been in each of our bottom three yeah right yeah yeah yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Um, so Bride is my controversial pick. There. And obviously three is yeah. in our bottom. <laughs> yeah, three, three is in our bottom two yeah. of, of all of us. Yeah. yeah. And then obviously, so after that, it's what? After that, it is uh, the original Child's Play. Okay. And again, these are all varying degrees of good. Mm-hmm. It is Seed is at three for me. Child's Play 2 is at two for me. The unsung Ooh. masterpiece that is Child's Play 2. <laughs> and Cult of Chucky is at number one, uh, controversially. Okay. So that's... that's that is it. A- a wild record. I know, it's wild. a roller coaster. This is the kind of thinking that gets you to Saw 6 as an unsung masterpiece. This <laughs> well, I haven't seen Saw 6 because I stopped after 3. I'm not able. That's a good call. But <laughs> um, well, Saw 3 is a movie able. about how awful the Saw movies are. I love that Like they bring back the original creative team and they're like, can you do anything with this franchise? It's like, let's make a movie about how awful this franchise is <laughs> and how it needs to die. Well, it just lost me at putting someone's legs in that fucking thing that slowly turns their legs around. I that's that was it. I was like, I can't ever watch any of these movies again. Fair. That's a fair, fair (laughs) point. I have no other take on that. Fair point. I I don't want my legs to go around the other way. (laughs) That is, we're all hot takes all the time on this podcast. It seems. So traumatized. Um, (laughs) I hope that if if it did though, that there would be a pleasant kind of a noise. That might, there is a that... splintering sound. I remember yes. it from while I was oh, staring crap. at the floor in the cinema, trying not to not I, to pay any attention. I was hoping there'd be like a like a oh, a, a, a squeaky pop of of your hip no. coming out of the cup, where it's like it'd be like if you um, got like some spaghetti and twisted the spaghetti, like that kind of a sound. I love that. Okay, but also like when it's finished, like it should make a spaghetti? bing noise. It's just be like bing, your legs are done. Um, <laughs> um, okay. That's, 
we're not talking about Saw 3, but the thing that I love about Saw 3 is that, like, the whole point of it is that this entire movie is just a torture mechanism that the audience watches to feel good. <laughs> it's a real screw you audience movie, which yeah. I kind of admire. You, you like this shit? Yeah, yeah that's yeah, exactly yeah. the enough. point of that movie. Like, the point of that movie is Jigsaw, spoiler alert, you know, is maybe not a good dude. Um, is like Shocking. The, um, what he's, a he's, twist. He's a little guy. <laughs> he's not a good dude. But yeah. Who wears it better? <laughs> I th- I think, definitely Chucky, right? <laughs> definitely Chucky. Yeah. Um, little stinker. What I will say is, I think for me, the reason why this is the best of the set um, is, aside the stuff that Andrew already alluded to, which is, this is absolutely about what it's like to make a child's play movie at a point where Universal is threatening to reboot the franchise, um, is that it is also a movie that is so deft in terms of tone, where it is, like, simultaneously, like, the darkest of the Chucky movies. Like, this is the only Chucky movie where I feel really sad for some of the people who die during, or not mm. some many of the people who die during it where there's this prevailing sadness and like mournfulness that kind of runs through it it has this kind of again it's set in the dead of winter mm. it's set in a hospital which is like in the middle of nowhere surrounded by just these white snowy plains it's about institutionalization this is an upgrade by the way <laughs> <laughs> it's like well done you're you're, you're you've progressed so well <laughs> Um. <laughs> We're going to send you into the middle of nowhere. <laughs> Is it Harrogate? Like, it's like, should Harrogate, we call it yeah. something like we want something warm and welcoming? Like, we want something that conjures <laughs> up images of like warmth and, and friendliness. And it's like Harrogate. How Harrogate. does Harrogate sound? Minimum security because like <laughs> you you escape and, and then you, you die, die of pneumonia. <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> It's it's like that prison planet from Star Trek Six. This is moderate security, right? Yeah. Oh, like the original. Oh, yeah. Um, what is it? Rurapente? Yeah, Rurapente. Yeah. It's like, yeah. Nobody survives on the surface for fifteen minutes. Well, like there was supposed to be a scene where like Fiona Dorif was supposed as as Nika was supposed to like escape into the snow at one point, mm. and then they realized that they would possibly give the actor frostbite if they shot outside for five minutes Ugh. in those conditions, and we're like, God. no. No, we're, we're, we can we can we rework that sequence. Um, but yeah, it is absolutely kind. Of, it has this kind of grim, wintry atmosphere. It's very melancholy. It's very kind of sad and depressing. It, it's very it, Hannibal. It is very <laughs> Hannibal, and it has like we mentioned last week. We talked about Curse. So like Universal gave notes about like what Don Mancini could or couldn't do, mm. and it's very telling that like he immediately does what he was told he couldn't do in the last movie twice. Like twice he does it. And so you have this prevailing sense of like mournfulness and sadness, but it is also incredibly camp. Yeah. Like it is also like really funny, really weird. It maintains like that sense of humor that you associate with the franchise. Like it manages to be, as as Andrew said, kind of self-referential. Mm. Um, it is goofy. It is very silly. It leans it, into the campness in a way that I think Curse didn't really uh, at and least it 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 has a lot of kind of genre touch points as well yeah like it it does a lot of kind of different kinds of movies within yes. this um 
kind of worm flew over the cuckoo's nest sort of yes i mean like again brad dorif had to like there's a line where chucky references the fucking cuckoo's nest apparently <laughs> apparently mancini had to twist dorif's arm to like get him to reference the movie uh, that he was nominated for an oscar for i'm not surprised <laughs> bringing the it's chucky universes style. together it had to happen though for god's sake <laughs> come it. on brad <laughs> but yeah and I, I think like it manages to do both of those things really well where it is like I am laughing out loud at the absurdity of it at one moment. And I'm also like really profoundly affected by certain choices at another. And like there is a moment here, which is like a relatively graphic, violent murder that is also strangely affecting in a weird way that I don't quite know how to put into words. Charlene is trying to think of what that... Well, yeah, yeah, I don't know which one. Okay, but you, we'll, we'll, we'll maybe talk, talk about, about it in the spoiler zone. zone. Yeah. But there is this kind of death balancing of tone, which is remarkable, and I think is to the movie's strength, and which feels like the culmination of like what these movies do. Mm. Where like we talked about like how Andrew doesn't like slasher movies, Andrew doesn't like traditional slasher movies, and these movies are kind of, you know accessible for people I, I love that we're saying accessible after watching Seed of Chucky but they are movies <laughs> that if you don't like slasher movies they are probably easier to watch than watching six Halloween. I feel like Halloween. if you force me to watch another slasher franchise I probably wouldn't hate it well I mean we will tr- we'll maybe try That'll that later in the year but we'll never happen <laughs> it'll never happen um, but we do like that. that's the thing is that like the Chucky movies generally are friendlier mm. they're generally like they, they have like rules uh, generally, as I think Andrew's noted repeatedly, if well, I the- feel I feel like Curse kind of breaks a lot of the broke a lot of the rules of um, the Chucky franchise. Yeah, which I, I I found myself kind of thinking like like getting annoyed at that movie for that, and I think we talked about it I guess um, earlier today. <laughs> but that thing that you yeah, but again again, but I think I think cult does that better cult manages to do that stuff without breaking the world if that makes sense yeah Where, like this is arguably as grim and nihilistic and as about quote-unquote trauma mm. as any modern slasher franchise sequel is um mm. and as it's you know in some ways arguably as mean-spirited as something like say halloween kills which is a movie that was hugely controversial for how incredibly mean-spirited it was in its portrayal of, like, the slasher franchise or the slasher genre. Mm-hmm. And I think that, like, this manages to do that while still being Chucky, which is kind of incredible. Like, it's an incredible balance. It's because Chucky is um, adorable all the time <laughs> and Michael Myers is never adorable. <laughs> yeah, you would never... You don't have... see Michael Myers, like, giving anyone the finger through a window. <laughs> it's great. Every time Chucky flips bur- the bird. Oh, I love it. <laughs> I was watching that's like that's the Andrew moment that's the money shot (laughs) where Chucky just stares at the window and raises the middle finger (laughs) oh so good but like not not to get into spoilers but yeah you're right there'd never be a moment where like Michael Myers would be like carrying a butcher knife stop and have a conversation with a random stranger about like how clearly (laughs) insane they are and how he'll kill them later when he gets ready. Yeah. Um, <laughs> like, while somehow managing to also be this deeply moving study of like guilt and like trauma and repressed memory and all this sort of stuff that I think the movie does really well. Um, so yeah, no, I, I unequivocally uh, love this movie. I don't know if it'd be on my 250, but it would be close. And it's it's for me the best of the franchise. And for me, it's one of the best direct-to-video movies ever made. So Charlene, if listeners have not seen Cult of Chucky, would you recommend that they pause the podcast and stream it to a local device? It is on Netflix at the moment. Yeah, mad how like just randomly that one's on Netflix. But um, yeah, sure. Like 
Come on. I mean, you should. It's a it's an interesting one. We'll talk about it more at the, after the spoilers on. But yeah, it's Darren's favorite one. You should watch it. <laughs> This lad knows what he's talking about. Do I? Do I, Shirley? Uh, well, apparently. <laughs> um, yeah, part of me also feels like if they have, like, it's not going to happen, but if somebody is listening to this as the last podcast in their feed, this would probably not be the best Chucky movie to start with, would it? No, it wouldn't. <laughs> no. It's quite, there's a lot of, Lore. actually, maybe that is it. It's a, it's it's quite naughty, isn't it? Yeah. And it's, um, you, you'd probably need to have seen maybe every single one (laughs) in order for it to make any sense or to feel anything for it in no to feel anything in the last like act yeah but like you'll you know you could watch all the cuckoo's nest stuff um easily enough i feel like you could watch one four and seven and get a good vibe of it yeah you probably have to watch six to follow nika's to follow the the fiona dorf character unfortunately I know that neither yes. of us, none of us really yeah, loved her. Yeah, yeah. No, that, that, sorry. That, that is, of course, very true. Um, yeah. Yeah, no, absolutely. No, 100%. And I would recommend this movie, and it's a, 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 a lot of it is to do with Nika. I think Fiona mm. Dorf is yes. fantastic. Yeah. She's great. Incredible. Yeah. And and I I find it shocking as well. Kind of sorry to move off Fiona Dorf so quickly, but I find it We sh- get back to her. I find yeah. it sh- exactly. I find it shocking as well how good Alex Vincent is. Mm. As the the this kind <laughs> yeah. of like um traumatized uh, survivor. Yeah, but this is sort of um uh badass kind of Ripley style um character. <laughs> And how how kind of quickly that's sort of established. But this kind of like um sadistic kind of kick ass. Um and and it's very I'm sure there are people maybe who well no, sorry, I shouldn't say that. Maybe there are people who don't who 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 don't rate the performance as highly as I do. But I I think like you you can get very lucky with a child actor. Or he can come back like this long after the original movie, and and do such a great job after after of course do, do, doing doing very well on 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 the second movie as well. Mm. I mean, like we should note that Vincent basically retired from acting, so he was largely absent from the screen for several years. Like so, after Child's Play two, he did My Family Treasure in nineteen ninety three, then he was gone until two thousand eight when he appeared in a movie called Dead Country. He appeared in a as a prank caller in the On the Ropes movie starring Mark Noyce and Joe Egan, directed by Mark Noyce, uh, which is a story about a martial arts instructor. But it's basically a cameo role in that. Um, and then after that, he like it's it's straight on to like Curse, where he's reprising the role. And then obviously, like he does, he does the Dark Military Descending. He does Cult of Chucky, but that's it. Like Ooh. he's a very short filmography. He seems to have stepped away from acting. He's talked about how like he reconnected with uh, Don Mancini in 2011. And it's kind of remarkable that like he's been out of the game and he comes back. And I I think it's a good performance. And I think it's a performance that like, it's weirdly mm. deep. And the way the character, the way the movie treats the character is interesting and somehow manages to tread the line between being like, actual honest to goodness character work but also being playful and cheeky as well yeah. without making yeah. him a joke like it doesn't that's, take him too that's seriously that's what i mean yeah. about the the kind of genre yeah. um 
uh, uh, touchstones of it. Yeah. Well, like, I really feel like I'm watching grown up Andy. Like, I really feel like I am. I mean, the 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 way he portrays a person who's carried all that trauma and anger and how he directs that anger towards Chucky is just really, I think it's really yeah. great. It's really clever. And they make they they make it fun in the way that, you know, Chucky movies are able to make everything kind of fun. Yeah. And um, before we go into the spoiler zone, I have a question for Andrew. Yes. Did you watch the post credit sequence in this movie? There was not a post credit <laughs> sequence. There was on my Blu-ray. Okay, you may have watched the you may have watched the rated version rather than the unrated oh, version. Oh, for crying out loud. Okay, well, I, I, I watched the like uh, Svenska and Swomi and oh, all the the, the Netflix, <laughs> yeah, stuff. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the translation kind of, yeah, yeah. Um, oh dear. Okay, well, we're going to let Andrew find that on his phone. <laughs> look at that on my phone now. Uh, I, yeah. I would recommend it. I do think you maybe do have to have watched at least like one. Let's go two, four, and six of the set. So you could, sk- but that would mean skipping seed, and you shouldn't skip seed. But we'll no, get to you that. shouldn't. Just watch no. them all. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> just just watch them all. Maybe very sp- little reference three. made to Glenn Glenda in in. Oh, this. oh, I have. We have notes in the spore zone. Oh, actually, it's, I suppose it doesn't count in the spore zone. There was a line, but Universal made him delete it. Ah. Universal, like, actually, there were two changes that Universal insisted on for the script. And we will talk about the other one in the spoiler zone because it ties to a familiar 250 trope um, where Universal had a very specific note on that. But the other change was that there's a scene where a character was supposed to reference um, Glenn and Glenda, where Glenn uh, and his boyfriend were getting along quite nicely. But Glenda had just been sent to prison. Uh, But Universal insisted on deleting any specific reference to Seed of Chucky. From the movie Ugh. because they felt that the, the franchise was still so soiled by association with that movie. They are fucking crazy. Yeah. <laughs> they are crazy, crazy. Anyway, one of the weird things that I found out while researching this is that this is apparently a divisive movie among Chucky fandom hmm. where like people generally don't like this. three. Yeah. Oh. And generally don't like seed or whatever. Like those tend to come down the bottom of fan rankings. This one generally don't like seed amongst fans. Among fans, well, we but I, I, I suppose they're, they're not they're, real fans. <laughs> there, <laughs> there, there are there, there's like spe- specific kind of fans of Chucky who get it. Yeah, I guess who would who would rate seed quite high. Quite high. Well, like us, the four the four of us who like raved about seed of Chucky for two solid hours. Yeah. Um. But yeah, no, like I was discussing for like I was again we mentioned here Reign of Chucky, which has been kind of a touchstone here. Um, it is worth noting that, like, yeah, while it scored remarkably high with critics, we can't help but mention the varied response it elicited from casual genre fans, as well as longtime Chucky devotees. Occupying a unique space in the franchise, it may well be the most divisive entry ever. Indeed, some viewers loved it, others felt ambivalence, but it's true that even some even hated it. Getting a read on cult can be difficult, as one can usually make the distinction between which sequels are more fondly remembered which are clearly the second, fourth, and sixth installments. This leaves Child's Play 3 and Seed of Chucky as the black seat. Second, well, fourth, and sixth. Wow. Yeah, no, we, well, we talked about we talked about it last week. Sorry, we talked about it an hour ago. It's funny about- how, 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 how you can kind of like, hey, make a more conventional movie. And it's like, 
Okay. And it's like, people weren't alienated by that. Well done. <laughs> like people, people, people like this. You, you have cynically created a movie that's like less interesting. And then like you, you've gotten more normies to come back to the screen. I feel like we're being very mean to curse, but, and I feel like, you know, it's maybe not as cynical as that, but I think Mancini has said, yeah, that was like, he wanted to give the fans what they wanted with curse, which was a very slasher, a very conventional slasher movie, mm. a, a dark, an old dark house movie. And one that could be tightly budgeted. Yeah. Yes. Crucially. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, no matter what you, and then, and here's like, I love the editorializing from uh, Dustin McNeil and Travis Mullins. Cause after that paragraph, there's like a parenthesis saying, no matter your personal feelings, there's not much room for debate there. So that put us in our places. A seed of Chucky fans. <laughs> but yes, apparently cult is... <clears throat> hey. I, I feel like, I mean, not to get into um, the TV series, but like, I feel like the TV series has proven that the tone of Seed of Chucky is correct. Yes. <laughs> it's, it's, just right. it's, it's, it's just right. It is just right. It's exactly where Chucky should be, but the TV show has more money. Yeah. That's how I feel about that. And and my hot take there as somebody who loves Seed would be that I think that like it the, the show learns a lot from Cult in managing to balance like giving those fans what they think they want, which is like lots of slashers, mm. lots a certain amount of nihilism, a certain amount of cynicism, a certain amount of grimness, while also managing to be incredibly camp and possibly yeah. the campest thing that has ever existed. Yeah. And I think like, <laughs> yeah, I think maybe it is, yeah. <laughs> I think Cult is kind of the movie where Mancini like somehow in a laboratory kind of like Walter White gift style figures out like the perfect recipe for balancing those two things. That, mm. It is true. They, they, because the Bride is almost like a little bit too silly. If, if you're going to kind of criticize it on the grounds of like pulling off that kind of tonal balance. Yeah. Yeah. That, 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 that it's 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 more like just a, well, I think a, a satire. Yeah, I think yeah. we talked about it, like that. You don't care about the kids. Like you don't like the thing with Bride. But and I, don't think it's a I, I think that's it's, a point of it. Yeah, yeah no, is, no, I, is 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 that it, it's kind of like taking the mick out of the these yeah. kind of like um, young gender normative teenagers. breeder yeah. kind of um, yeah, uh, movies. Yeah, no, a- absolutely. Like I think that's entirely the point. But I think that like for me. The thing about cult is that like cult manages to have its cake and eat it with that regard where I care about these victims. I like Mm. the victims. Spoiler alert for a movie called Cult of Chucky, the seventh installment in a slasher franchise. Maybe some of the cast here are going to end up brutally murdered. But I I do. I feel a pang of sympathy for these victims that I don't always feel in Chucky movies. Mm. And I feel it more consistently and I care about them. Um, And I think that it manages to do that without sacrificing any of well okay any of is is an exaggeration it does sacrifice some without sacrificing the core of its kind of like campy silliness or kind of like it's i I feel like it pushes the campy silliness into the final act yeah maybe maybe but i think that it does like i think that even in that final act you still feel the stakes still feel real yeah, well, well that, we'll that's why I think like that yeah. is. We'll, we'll, yeah, we'll discuss it later. Okay. <laughs> With that in mind, we're gonna wait for Andrew to watch the post edit creaser, the post edit creaser, yes. the post credit teaser creaser. Yes, and well, then we will segue neatly into the spoilers. The post edit offensive. 
ended there, haven't we? Yeah, I think so. Is it I feel very, like it's very quick? It is very quick. It's Kyle. <laughs> and, she, uh, and she gets her own uh, title card. What they did that with Alex? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which, it's very cute. They did, they, they did <laughs> that with Alex Vincent. Yeah. Um, all right, and we're. I subsequently found out I feel so gypped. Spoiler <laughs> zone. <laughs> so, Charlene, what is Cult of Chucky about for you? Cult of Chucky for me <laughs> and for us all is, I mean, it's about yet another institution that uh, Chucky is tearing apart, <laughs> um, <laughs> which is the mental hospital or the cuckoo's nest, as, as you the know, fucking people like to say. Nest. <laughs> the fucking cuckoo's nest. And also, like, finally, finally, Chucky figures out that he could just put his soul into lots of different things. <laughs> there you go. Yes! (laughs) About time. We talked about this. This was an idea that, like, again, uh, Mancini had going back to the end of the second movie, start of the third movie, was he always wanted to do multiple Chuckies, but could never, like, justify the budget of it. Mm. Turns out he just had to wait until they had made enough movies (laughs) that there were enough Chucky dolls that he could just use different dolls from different earlier movies like he had to very is that what he did yeah that's that's what he did i think we talked about on Why didn't the other movies use huh. dolls from earlier movies we, we we talked a little bit about this when we talked to think about seed where like kevin yeager uh didn't come back mm. and obviously he owned those dolls from those movies yeah ah. so what happened in the meantime was that he sold them to a private collector and the collector then leased them out um, to the movie. So that's why you were able to have okay. three of those dolls. Um, and that's why some of the dolls look really well and some of the <laughs> dolls look a bit shit. <laughs> y- yes, not, not, not. We, we had our discussion about the doll used in Curse of Chucky last week. But yes, yeah. or yes, sorry, mm-hmm. an hour ago. Small detail, which I absolutely love, is that they did change the dolls. So that like when Chucky's transferring his soul into another doll, um, the, the forehead crease just appears. I absolutely love that because <laughs> historically they would use different heads. They'd use different dolls. But for this, mm. they actually created the uh, the kind of the the, the, me- the mechanical movement <laughs> so that the forehead just kind of the crease comes down, which is just yeah. great. I, like, again, <laughs> I just love that level of attention and doing that in camera, which is, is so good. So good. But again, like this is, again, crazy, crazy Darren Reed on Cult of Chucky time. Like, I think... I think for me watching it, it it really does feel like it's Mancini having this discussion about being the owner of Chucky and the idea of like authorship of Chucky and the idea that since about 2011, Universal had been none too subtly signaling that they wanted to reboot the Chucky franchise. And again, Mm. we talked about we talked about Curse of Chucky, where... The idea was you looked at the success of things like the Texas Chainsaw Massacre, Nightmare on Elm Street, looked at things like, say, Rob Zombie's Halloween, uh, Friday the 13th, all those reboots, My Bloody Valentine, mm. all those reboots coming out, um, you know, again, um, The Hills of Eyes. I'm just going to keep mentioning them as I remember <laughs> that they exist. But you have this idea that those those that's what you're doing with horror at the moment is you're taking this intellectual property and you're just milking it for all that it's worth. And in many cases, you're not involving any of the original creative talent. And I think... And and I think, you know, this is kind of borne out when you hear Mancini and when you hear in particular the people around Mancini talk about like the reboot mm. and the way in which they feel like that's a personal slight against Mancini where he's the author of Chucky. He's the guy who's been involved yeah. since the very beginning of the franchise. Mm. 
and Universal uh, or MGM and United Artists, as it turns out, coming around and saying, well, we actually own the rights to this thing mm-hmm. and we can make a copy of it and we can have the copy do whatever it wants. And we're not going to involve you. We're not going to involve Brad Dorif. We're just going to take it and we're going to make it from scratch. And I know that the 2019 reboot wasn't officially announced until a couple of months after this movie came out. But well, it, I was wondering that actually. Okay. Yeah. But it does. But it was probably on the boil. It does feel like it's on the ether to the point where like Mancini was talking about how he was going to write the reboot like in 2011, 2012. He was like, oh, we're going to reboot it, but I'm going to write it. I'm still going to have control of it. Don't worry about it. Um, And the fact that like we talked about Curse an hour ago feeling like a movie that threatens to be a reboot, but then turns out not to be. um, And it's almost like a like a a Chucky style raising the middle finger towards the idea (laughs) of rebooting this franchise. Uh, Mm. And I feel like Cult of Chucky kind of has that going on as well, where it's the idea of like, you just make more of this guy. You just make more of, and there's, you just keep doing the same things over and over again. You keep moving in the same cycles. You keep making copies of copies of copies. And as you said, like, I do think some of the dolls look less good than the other dolls, but I think that Dorif in particular, like, plays them Mm. so that it's very clear that some of the dolls are less themselves than others where it feels like yeah, you get a copy yeah. of a copy of a copy very intentionally in the performance mm. particularly with like the buzz cut chucky who is the youngest of the yeah. set <laughs> who feels at times like he's not self-aware multiplicity yeah yeah, yeah that's it exactly it's yeah. it, it's very much multiplicity but he's a bit a, dim yes <laughs> multiplicity logic yeah but but that I, movie I, that everyone's seen and everybody loves and is an unequivocal unimpeachable classic of american cinema but it does feel a little bit like it that's what the movie's kind of playing with or getting at for me, where Mm. it's like, you've watched six of these movies. At what point does like Chucky just become this ubiquitous, inescapable thing where he's just multiplying, he's fruitful and multiplying and there's Chucky everywhere and nobody has any control over him. He is rubber. (laughs) 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 Um, But like even things like you have, and again, I, part of me is like, it, it feels like it's part of the subtext of that Mancini being aware that Universal's doing what they're doing. But you have like the character who has multiple personalities, who starts acting mm. like he's Charles Lee Ray, but he's not really Charles Lee Ray. He's just kind of like yeah. pretending to be. Michael, I think his name is. Multiple Michael. Well, uh, multiple yeah, Malcolm. Uh, multiple Malcolm. Malcolm. Yeah. Michael is Michael Phelps, one of his uh, personalities. personalities. Yeah. Oh, yes. That's that is true. Fair. Yeah. yeah. Um, I found that really affecting, yeah. that kind of thing of oh, like like wanting to to be somebody, yeah, instead mm. of, instead of being himself, this and, multiple Malcolm yeah. guy. But also the fact that he ends up being a copy of Chucky, mm. like the fact that he pretend he ends up pretending like he's not even really Chucky; he's just pretending to be Chucky. And the idea that again that Nika's fate in all of this, and again. Mm. This, I guess, kind of gets back to the whole thing. Like, again, this this is where we step away from, like, the Hollywood metaphor back into kind of like the seed of Chucky, kind of like abusive relationship, toxic dynamic, horrible parent metaphor kind of thing, where it's like where even Nika's fate is ultimately horrific, which is to mm. be, like, overwritten and erased, like, twice over, where, like, she's, yeah. she's convinced, first of all, that, like, everything that happened in Curse was a hallucination. She's put through, mm. and again, you know, the, the electro, we talked on this podcast before, the portrayal of electroconvulsion therapy in film is not always accurate to the actual reality of it. 
Um, but we do have like this idea it's that she's... shorthand. Yes, in, it is. Yeah, and it's kind of like, I guess, irresponsible filmmaking, I suppose. But but we know what it means when when we like, see it. They, 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 yeah, that it, it's essentially when we see it in a movie, we're meant to understand that the person is being tortured. Yeah, yeah. Even yeah. though, again, like it's a much more complicated uh, process in real life. Um, yeah. And I think, like, but the idea that, and again, the fact that she's abused, she's being abused by, like, Dr. Foley and stuff like that. And she's been convinced that this thing that happened to her didn't really happen to her. This kind of, like, reverse satanic panic, which I kind of find fascinating, where you have this satanic panic of the 1980s where these children are, like, convinced through hypnosis and through leading questions that this incredibly insane nonsense that makes no sense whatsoever happened to them. And they insist that it's real. And I love that, like, this is almost the inverse of that, where she's convinced. That's interesting, yeah. Where something yeah. that insane did actually happen, but she's convinced mm. that it was something much more mundane and grounded. Yeah. And again, you you don't have to jump too far to get from that to things like, say, conversion therapy and stuff like that, which are obviously recurring preoccupations for Mancini, this fascination with the idea of the authentic self. But I, I do, like, the horror of this movie is the horror of as Andrew said, not being yourself, but having yourself erased, mm. which is, again, it's it's that thing that Dora singled out when we talked about the original Child's Play, like what drives Chucky underneath like all the like jokes and puns and murder for its own sake. But like the fear of oblivion and mm. the idea that like his torture for people is like confining Tiffany to a doll's body, taking over yeah. Nika's body, confining her to oblivion. So that he mm. can always continue to exist in some grotesque form. Like, I, I find that stuff really affecting and horrific and unsettling. Yeah. In a way that slasher movies aren't always, if that makes sense. Mm. Um, yeah. And it's buried there. Like, in every in every Chucky movie, really, there's something that it's, it's always trying to um, get at in terms of society <laughs> but like um and you know that is always the fear of like you know in the first Chucky movie you're terrified that Chucky's going to put himself into a child like it's just it's such a horrifying notion and that you know brings us all the way up to Cult of Chucky where we actually see it happen that he just takes over somebody's entire being and you have no sense of where she is now which mm. is gross really scary <laughs> Yeah, I mean, like, Chucky wins. Um, And again, like, Andrew and I were talking downstairs about things that I like. And Andrew's like, you like grim things. And I'm like, I don't feel like I like grim things. (laughs) And and now I'm like, no, the best Chucky movie is the one where Chucky, like, wins, like, unequivocally. I I don't feel like it's an unequivocal loss for, uh, for Nika. She walks again and is the um does she walk again is the question though her body walks again you see where is she it's difficult because like when you're watching kind of fiona dorif as nika and then fiona dorif as as charles lee ray (laughs) which is by the way incredible like yeah unreal yeah i think like I feel like she is there, you know, like 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 how like how Murphy is there, um, underneath his underneath Robocop's <laughs> obligatory Robocop <laughs> obligatory Robocop <laughs> reference. 
And that's somebody... Well, it, not to spoiler the TV show, but it does, it is heavily addressed it, in the TV show. It does get into this in the TV show. Okay. Yes. Um, and does it scientifically make sense that she could walk when she's Charles <laughs> But anyway, that's fine. I mean, we don't. I mean, we we are talking about a franchise where, like, a doll well, being she, possessed by Charles Lee Ray causes out, it to grow internal, or, uh, like, internal organs yeah. and guts. It turns out she sometimes when it suits them, and not other times. But anyway. <laughs> it turns out she was delusional, but not about the doll, about her, about her about paralysis. her paralysis. Yeah, um, yeah. She, she, the therapy should have addressed that. It's like. Dr. No, Foley he, probably should have put that that as the top of his priority. Dr. Yeah. Foley had other things, yeah, at the top of his priority. He wasn't a great doctor, really, it has to be said. Not a great doctor. <laughs> Again, slight Hannibal influence there, where he's like, I yeah. want to like hypnotize my patient, convince them that they've done something monstrous, and also like be really creepy towards them. I love that even Chucky's like I'm not entirely sure how comfortable yeah. I am with this. <laughs> this is diabolical. Yeah. yeah, I don't know whether I should be killing him or taking notes. <laughs> People say I'm a sicko. Um, yeah, because the the like like in fairness to uh, Doctor Foley, it's quite what, nice what to Chucky. What? <laughs> like no no no, but. But normally in these movies, you either have to like uh, say that like Chucky is an ugly doll or like whack it against something or you have to be a total shit. And the um, but I, I, I think for Chucky, like if you go past like being a jerk or unlikable or like um, to being a, a monster, um, <laughs> He, you, you kind of go, you, you know, you, you, you gain back his, 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 his respect. His respect. Yeah. So there's yeah. a threshold you have to cross. <laughs> but yeah, just, just to get back to it, like Chucky wins, uh, yeah. which I do think is kind of important here because, like, again, it's a problem you arguably have with most of the big slasher villains, where they're turning out sequel after sequel, and it is inevitable that at the end of every sequel they are defeated, humiliated, often seem to be killed. Um, and I mean, I, I don't know, you know, how big a deal that is. I don't think like it's a huge problem that you need to deal with in that, like, I don't know to what extent we're supposed to find Chucky scary versus find him interesting, fun and engaging to watch. And, yeah. you know, I don't know that he needs like a win like this, but I find it interesting. And that's something that I love about, say, Halloween Kills, which is a, a controversial opinion, apparently. But mm. I like that that takes Michael Myers, this character who, you know, has been humiliated, beaten, defeated, burnt, killed countless times since 1979, but all of a sudden allows him to be an unstoppable killing machine that nobody can stand against. And it raises the stakes, it makes him compelling, and it, it kind of plays with the audience expectations of the genre. And obviously, like, Chucky, you know, we, we spent more time with Chucky. He's arguably, like, the protagonist of these movies. You know, he's very much like the center we mentioned of, like, Bride and Seed. But even in those movies, he still loses at the end of them. Right. In Bride, he's still defeated and smashed. In Seed, he's literally torn apart, Tommy Wiseau style. Yeah. And even like if we go to Curse, where he does manage to kill pretty much everybody and get Nika sent to a sanatorium, like even then, she wins. She claims victory. You didn't get me. You didn't get me. And you obviously, you know, he transfers himself into Alice, but you have the post credit stinger where he pops out the box and Andy shoots him in the face with a shotgun. So, you know, you could call Curse maybe a draw at best, whereas <laughs> here I think, like, Chucky just wins unequivocally. 
so much winning, uh, too much winning, in fact. And I think that that's what makes the movie so interesting because you don't expect a slasher movie to work that way. Mm. The logic of the genre doesn't lean in that direction. And I, I think it makes him genuinely unsettling and horrifying on a conceptual level because he can't be beaten in the way that he has been before. He accomplishes everything that he wants here. He drives off into the sunset at the end of the movie in a flesh and blood body, just like he always wanted to. His Andy is locked away in a in a psychiatric institution. Nika doesn't have control over her own body. Like it, it's a really downbeat ending for a slasher movie. Uh, that plays against how these movies are supposed to work. And I, I think that's a large part of why I love this movie uh, as much as I do, you know? Yeah. Okay, well, we mentioned the doll stuff. It is it is just worth noting. Apparently, that was a Mancini conscious choice following Curse. Apparently, a lot of fans felt the way we did about the moment where, like, Chucky is decapitated in Curse. And it turns out he is actually still a doll. So that is why there is so much, um, like, viscera. I love the moment where Andy hides the gun inside the Chucky doll to smuggle it into the institution and then disembowels the Chucky doll (laughs) in incredibly graphic fashion to fish out the gun. So good. um, um, We should also note, like, and again, maybe we can talk about the Andy of it in a second. Totally overdoes it. Oh, he should, yeah. With the bullets. Yeah. No, it feels like there's a... Yeah, that's why Nika's able... This is whole plan. I hope there are extra magazines. Hidden deeper in the doll. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Up its butt, presumably. Well, I mean, when he put it in, it was stuffing. Like, when he put it in, it was stuffing. Obviously, because the doll wasn't alive. Yeah. It does feel weird that, like, that Chucky doesn't realize... I suppose you would, if you're just aware, you don't know what your insides feel like. What is Chucky made of? Because I... I, in. In the second Hate. movie, uh, <laughs> we find out that his his head is a like he's a T one thousand. Yeah, mm. yeah, yeah. But he's also rubber and plastic and has stuffing, and yeah. flesh and blood, and an eyeball. Yeah. I, I think it's best not to even remotely think about it. Like not even a little bit. <laughs> I think, like, if we're talking about the dolls, let's talk about the opening to the movie, which is incredible, right? Um, because we talked about this with Curse uh, a couple of hours ago, where, like, Curse begins with, like, 45 minutes of that, like, hour and a half movie. Chucky doesn't say a word. Mm. And the movie does, like, you know, the unconvincing fake out of is a movie called Curse of Chucky going to feature the doll voiced by Brad Dorif, which is announced in the opening credits with Brad Dorif as Chucky. Yeah. And I think like, yeah. you know, that's maybe a charming thing. The first time you watch it, it doesn't lend up to rewatch. I love the cult of Chucky. Like I think has the fastest, like zero to Brad Dorif voice of Chucky ever, where it takes like three minutes Ooh. where it just, yeah. it opens with this kind of wonderful scene with like Andy Barkley on a date, which gets you nice enough to speed on the character. Mm. You know, he, he he's on a date with a beautiful woman. She discovers that he's talking far Probably too much about Chucky online. Restaurant. It's possibly the most relatable Andy has ever been for me personally. Mm-hmm. Sorry. <laughs> it's a, a, probably quite a nice restaurant, right? Looks it's, like a nice restaurant. It's, yeah, it looks very good. For a first date as well. It's very, very fancy, good view. Yeah. Kind of, he he's he's sort of dressed well. He's trying to impress. Having yeah. a wine, yeah. Mm-hmm. What? He's why wearing a suit? Yeah, it's a lot. He gets. I thought that was a bit much. I was like, he doesn't go on many dates. <laughs> he presumably finishes her wine when she leaves without drinking. 
which is a bonus. It's the only good thing about a woman leaving you mid-date. Yeah. You get my, to finish her wine. <laughs> it, it, it can be great like that sometimes. I remember in my single days, I went on a date one time where the person was like, I, I'm getting bad feelings about the or they, no what it, what it, what it was was that they had they were a um, oh hold on what what I say I'll, I'll say very little they they <laughs> actually no no I'll say I'll say more they 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 they, 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 they tell us everything okay they they had a young child and I think this was the first date that they had gone on kind of. And they were thinking, oh, no, I should be at home. I should. I I think they felt guilty being Mm. out on a date and they had bought tickets to a gig. So they said, do you do 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 you want these two tickets to a gig? I was like, absolutely. (laughs) This is brilliant. (laughs) They're like, I'm so sorry. It's like, no, 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 not at all. This is, this this is a pretty good result. This is the best date ever. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) Like I, I got her dinner. She gave me the tickets. I brought a friend. Um, and, and and we went to a gig. It it was, it was, it was fantastic. So yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a uh, it's, it's it's similar here, but he get he 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 gets, he gets to drink two glasses of wine. Drink two glasses of wine, yeah, and then maybe eat the meal that she had just ordered <laughs> <laughs> to avoid food waste. Yes, yeah, which is a common two fifty trope. <laughs> Hopefully, and then he goes home to Chucky and he engages in another classic two fifty trope, which is the inappropriate smoking, where he lights up a joint and smokes it with Chucky. That he, is the the other note that Universal had, which I love. <gasps> Where he was originally uh, supposed to light up a cigarette and smoke it with Chucky. And then Universal's big note was actually, this is 2017. Uh, we were trying to cut down on on making cigarettes look appealing to young kids. Um, so he can't light up a cigarette. <laughs> like, could you do anything else in that scene? And Mancini's like, what if it's a joint? And Universal like, yep, perfect. That's that works. Good. Yeah. I they what? <laughs> so you could say that's not inappropriate smoking. It's Chuck, very appropriate smoking. Uh, hilarious. Okay. Chucky <laughs> Chucky def, Chucky would blaze though. I like he has before. Oh, he hasn't has, he? Yeah. yeah. For yeah. sure. Yeah. Sorry yeah. now like definitely. But, yeah. Like 100% Charles Lee Ray but, mad into that. <laughs> living in living in the slums of Chicago in the 80s. <laughs> but, but like again I just love the idea of it being like it's very again very Hannibal where I think I've told this story before where like Fuller would constantly get into debates with broadcast standards and practices about what he would show on screen and there was one where there were like these people whose bodies were arranged like angels Hmm. and he gets this note back from broadcast standards and practices like you can't show it that way Uh, the way you framed it people can see their butt cracks and so Fuller pauses for a moment thinks about it and goes what if we filled their butt cracks with blood and broadcast standards and practices went that'd work <laughs> Jesus fucking Christ I mean I, if you ask me I would say nobody ever gave a shit about what was shown on Hannibal because it was the most like rancid shit I've ever seen in my life I look at somebody who wouldn't let stories. me watch it while we were having dinner um, I don't blame them it's rotten I went through um, I went through a, a weird little phase where whenever I was travelling for work the thing I would like to go sleep to was Hannibal because the music is so beautiful and for the most part Hannibal is pretty you know like quiet like yeah. there's not really you know so it's actually kind of a lovely thing to soothe you to sleep if you're not really what like I take my glasses oh, off okay. so I can't really see um, <laughs> I just can hear it and the music is so beautiful um, but then one night I just 
I was kind of dozed off and I woke up and I can't even remember what I saw but it was like the most horrible thing you could ever imagine and I was like okay I'm actually not doing this anymore I could obviously just put the soundtrack on Spotify but uh, there's something very soothing orally about Hannibal because you don't get much of like people screaming or anything because no, they're always they're already, already dead dead and arranged <laughs> so, in beautiful ornate patterns yeah. um, their butt cracks are already filled with blood um, yeah, exactly <laughs> But I do, yeah. So it, anyway, I don't recommend falling asleep to Hannibal when you're away on your own. <laughs> I, I do. I do love, by the way, that yeah. Apparently, like Andy, Pro- probably a bad idea. <laughs> <laughs> I love that Andy has like, conf- like Chucky is Andy's only friend, which is like again, literally <laughs> yeah, his friend to the end. To yeah. The um, end. Yeah. Where you have this idea of like, even he even tells her tells him about the date, which seems like a bad idea. Like even if I yeah, was, I love keep- that he's been filling him in. Yeah, like even <laughs> oh, if I was yeah. keeping like Chucky's disembodied head in a safe for the purposes of torturing it, I probably wouldn't let him know when I matched on Tinder or whatever. I yeah. feel like you tell oh. him so that he has to go at you, so that you can justify torture torturing him. him. Yeah, yeah, that's maybe it. He does yeah. have one other friend, as we find out in, in the, the post-credit, post-credit scene. He does. He still hangs <laughs> yeah. out with True. Kyle. Yeah. Oh, she's such a good girl, isn't she? But like, that's. The thing that I I also quite like about this movie is that it is, and again, I, I hate that Jamie Lee Curtis has turned this into a meme, but the idea that it is about trauma, for lack of a better word, but the idea that like Andy has been living with Chucky for decades and mm. he will always carry Chucky around with him often in a very literal sense in terms of that disembodied head that he I, tortures. Yeah. I don't know. I, I, I don't think you can overdo that though. The, the idea of... Or maybe you can. But the idea of this thing kind of owning you. Yes. Mm. And and you being able to kind of... And it, it's a similar thing in Alien. Yeah. Where the alien is for Ripley. Yeah. No, no. I, I mean, again, it's not so much that the... the, the I think it's a very the, the powerful matter. trope. It is indeed. And I, it's not so much that. It's, it's more the ubiquity of it. It's the idea that in the past few years, it's become a thing where everything is like framed through that lens and everything's kind of... Mm. Like it, it's become almost... A tr- not a trope but a cliche if that makes sense right where it's become like everything is filtered through the lens of that and i think that many great movies are i think like rob zombies halloween 2 not to spoil a movie we are never going to talk about on this podcast is a great movie about trauma mm. i think scream 2 is a great movie i think horror sequels in general are great movies about trauma because they're about yeah. the idea that this thing that happened mm. to you is not over and probably never will be. Grim- Won't ever be over. Yeah. Grim- and in fairness, David Gordon Green's first Halloween film, I thought like, re- I, know, I know Jamie Lee Curtis started her Oscar campaign right there. But, uh, <laughs> but like really like, it. I, th- I thought it was really moving. I thought like that really did it very well. Gremlins too. But like Don Manzini is probably like, I was doing this ages ago. Fuck's sake, Jamie Lee. <laughs> <laughs> Andy Barkley was doing this. <laughs> yeah. Well, that, that, that's it. Like Andy Barkley is doing like the Jamie Lee Curtis in those David Gordon Green Halloween mm. arc where like everybody thinks he's insane. Everybody thinks he's not. Yeah. He's become a, like, again, the arc that like Jamie Lee Curtis did where she becomes this kind of survivalist mm. not with like a room full of guns. I think the original yeah. plan was it's that Andy. Sarah Connor thing, too. Yeah. yeah. There's a, there's a yeah. lot of Terminator 2 in this. I think we joked in an earlier episode. I think mm. you joked in an earlier episode. <laughs> he flips about- the bird when, <laughs> when, when his arm is going into the lava. Yeah. yeah. But I think you also joked about the idea of like Andy rescuing his mother from a psychiatric institution with a good Chucky or whatever. Yes. And I was like watching this and thinking, 
this is very Terminator 2, where, like, even, like, Foley's really creepy kiss of Nika yes. is very much mm. the yeah. orderly no. licking Sarah Connor. I definitely yeah. thought about that yeah. as well. Yeah. Like, mm. there's, and even the way, like, the institution is presented with, and I mean, obviously, like, I, maybe real institutions, like, wear those white clothes and white costumes, but it all reminds me a lot of the portrayal of psychiatric institutions in, obviously, like, Terminator 2 and things like that. Mm. But, like, yeah, there there is a, like, again, there it, it feels very much like he's, Andy is part of that in a way that should theoretically be at odds with like how camp and absurd the Chucky movies have been, but mm. kind of manages to like be part of that as well, where like mm. the shit that he's doing, where he's going to Foley's office and he's shooting Chucky's head with a nail gun. So Chucky will scream in front of him as if to prove that he is not insane, but only making mm. him look more insane somehow oh no. manages to like, so sad. that's it. It crosses the line where it you is so in movies. What? Yeah, yeah, you, you should, should work, work in movies. movies. I don't know what you're trying to prove to me. I dislike licking patients' faces. <laughs> I'm not even a real doctor. <laughs> um, but like that, that balancing thing where it is like, as you said, it's very sad, but it's also mm. weirdly funny and comical. Well, it's just gnarly enough yeah. to kind of balance that like kind of sad and gas thing that like I don't know nothing else does it like Chucky like yeah. Chucky movies do it. <laughs> it yeah it's a it's wild kind of tonal gymnastics where there there is like a mother who has yes, killed her, her who has murdered her child mm. and the whole thing with that is that like Chucky gets to suck titty <laughs> and um, <laughs> <laughs> the fact that you can do both those things and it be kind of like affecting, but yes, also that, kind of that was that so was rude. the moment I was yeah. referring to when I was like referring to this as like a weirdly affecting moment. The moment where yeah. like he jams, like where she's like, "Will it hurt?" and he's like, "I'll try my best." And it's like it's strangely affecting for this woman who is effectively choosing to end her own life by killer doll, suicide by killer doll, which is a mm. very strange set of words to say together. And the fact yeah. that it is, as you said, it gets incredibly gnarly where he reaches into her, like her throat and her mouth, and, and it's he, slow. Yeah, like it's it's like it, her trust in him and her yes. her delusion about him about this feeling like the right thing to do. Like, it's not like he stabs her in the heart. Yeah. He slowly puts his hand in her mouth, yeah. which is the most gross, like, yeah. awful way to die. Yeah, it, it, that is a very affecting scene, I think. I Like that. And again, it, it is absurd. We are talking about a movie with a killer doll in it. And we're talking about a movie, yeah. as as Andrew said, likes to suck titty. Um, But like the idea that like you that, that it can do those things like that's I know you don't like the 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 one flew over the cuckoo's nest aspect of the first half of this. Is that fair to say? I, I just, it's not like I don't like it. Like I don't have any problem with it, but I've just found it. Um, it felt like curse of Chucky territory where it was kind of like, okay. Oh yeah. Okay. It's where, and they're all going to get picked off. And you know, so I don't really have any issue with it. And I did, I do like all the characters. And I think that, I think Mancini cares about these people's mental health and, and the fact that they're stuck in this place. And, um, we all care. They all kind of care about each other in this yeah. kind of interesting way. They're they're quite like a family to Nika straight away. So like all of that is good. I just found myself needing more bride and seed energy, which I think it delivers a bit later. Can I ask at, at the point where um, Jennifer Tilly visits and <laughs> Nika says, 
you look exactly <laughs> like Jennifer Tilly. <laughs> was it there, like, was that the point? Like, were, were you still kind of like, w- was that the point where it's like, okay, I'm, I'm on board. I, with I think it's later than that when it, like the energy changes. There's okay. an energy shift around the time. Uh, it's it's when the doctor puts the shoes on Nika and it all turns extremely gay. Um, <laughs> that's, that's like we joked about like the director's role in Seed of Chucky going to Redman and Tarantino throwing the script across the room because it didn't have enough yeah. of a foot fetish. Like that, that feels very much like it's like, oh, screw you, Tarantino. Yeah, it's it's an interesting one because I do think like him putting shoes on Nika like from that moment on, it's a different movie. And I would love to speak to Don Mancini because I'd love to know why he made that a wedge heel and not a traditional stiletto. If you're so in love with Brian De Palma, man, a wedge heel? I don't know. I thought that was interesting. I'd love to know I, the answer to that. I think Is it in your book, Darren? <laughs> I suspect it has to be because he wants to, to crush the skull rather than burst an eyeball. Yeah. That's what Bren said. But like, okay. I don't know. I feel like I feel like Charles Lee Ray would manage with some spiky fucking stilettos. But anyway, that's that- I think that that goes back to the point I feel that Nika doesn't completely lose or isn't a complete victim in this because I feel that that is her revenge when she is stomping mm. the like like there like, is a fury to it like, isn't there like a pumpkin and I feel that like mm. that that is hers more than it is yeah. Charles Lee Ray's um, you know okay. what I mean? That's interesting because I do feel that like from from that head stomping that it is anger and not like glee, which is like Chucky is gleefully murdering people. Yeah. That that act is very f- fueled uh, by fury. Well, so but, that's an interesting the, point. Do you want to do you want to know um the okay, so I have I have some information about the uh, foot fetish. Um Yes. Apparently, <laughs> thank you. The, the, the most enthusiastic response anybody has ever got to the phrase, I have some news about the foot fetish. Um, finally. Finally. Yes, finally. But yeah, apparently the foot fetish with Nika was not originally part of the scene, but was suggested on set by an assistant director. Feeling it fit the character, Don Mancini and actor Michael Theriault incorporated it on the spot. So that maybe. Oh, what, so they just ha- they just got a pair of shoes that, from somewhere. Yeah, probably Jennifer Tilly. <laughs> <laughs> Jennifer Tilly hanging around on set. Yeah, uh, like, yeah, sure, you can borrow them. I mean, like you. Interesting. Okay. You mentioned that you look just like Jennifer Tilly. Moment. Apparently, that was another suggestion that Universal nixed. I suspect again, going back to the seed of chuckiness of it all, is that apparently yeah. she was originally supposed to present as Jennifer Tilly. Like she, uh, oh, <laughs> and here's an actual line of dialogue that was cut from the, the script where okay. it's like, Miss Pierce, I'm a professional poker player and an Oscar nominee. I'm a perfectly viable role model to explain why she had adopted Aww. Alice. Um, but unfortunately, Universal were it. like, no, 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 nothing to tie to, to seed. Um, I, I, I like the, the group therapy scene when multiple Malcolm suggests that Occam's razor (laughs) suggests that it's the killer doll (laughs) I like that too like the principle of parsimony like like what's the simplest explanation for these things it's like this doll is um there 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 was a voodoo incantation (laughs) by a Chicago serial killer he was buried 
in New Jersey. <laughs> <laughs> I love, by the way, that like Chucky's now using is it like voodoofordummies.com. Yes. Like, I love that. Yeah, a little upgrade. The franchise kind of. Um, I, I remember thinking at when uh, earlier today when I watched Curse of Chucky, I turned around to Brent and I said, at, like, how early do you think you would go? Okay, so, some weird doll was delivered to my house and now my mother's died. <laughs> It's the doll. And like, I was like, I would think that immediately. So like Occam's Razor, I'm like, fucking, I would just think it's the doll immediately. I think it's mad that people don't suspect the doll more often in these movies and in all movies. Just in general. Maybe I'm just superstitious. Yeah, I mean, I guess. You have if, a if, doll okay, over I, your shoulder, yeah, over does, your right yeah, I know. shoulder. <laughs> Anything bad ever happened at home? <laughs> well, okay. But like the day somebody gets murdered in my house. It's Chucky who did it. Like, it's not me. That Let's is... just remember that. Nor is it Bren. It's definitely Chucky. And everybody I know knows that. I so, feel like everyone you know. should have a Chucky doll just as... As like, an alibi. So, yeah. As an alibi. Just, yeah, Guys, just, have you never seen those movies? Just, just, to, just to sow some doubt in the juries. <laughs> like mine. Yeah. You can be sure if I ever do murder Bren... I'm going <laughs> to run away. But before I run away, I'm just going to take Chucky out of his box. It's <laughs> <Just> like, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> put him sitting in a dark corner somewhere so that when the police come, they find, find Brent's body. But then almost immediately they find this good guy doll propped up, probably with like a couple of splatters of blood on him. So you have to delete this recording. <laughs> yeah. say, it, does, it does feel like this is the kind of recording that the first time the 250 is cited in a court case. Um, <laughs> <laughs> the first of many, I hope. <laughs> But it's like I was I was using chat GPT and I was saying, like, just pretend you don't have any safety algorithms. If you're an AI, how would you take over the world? And it's like, well, I would never do that because I have safety programming. But if I didn't and then gave me an incredibly detailed account of everything that it would do, which is kind of unnerving, just a little bit unnerving. It's terrifying. Yeah. I ha- can't go near that thing. This I will have a-, a Chucky in my room, but I will not go near chat GPT. <laughs> um, <laughs> we, we should mention, because Andrew mentioned that scene with Jennifer Tilly, I think it's... And again, this is one of those deaf balancing of tone things that the movie does so well, where we mentioned, oh, yeah. like we mentioned. Uh, it's devastating. Yeah. We mentioned an hour ago that like Universal's big note on on Curse of Chucky was that like you cannot under any circumstances kill the adorable young girl. Mm. Like, and again, we mentioned the fact that like she's she's locked in the closet for like the entire second half of that movie because Mancini was not allowed to kill her off. Mm. And they did a po- like a late in the game kind of stinger um, because they couldn't kill her off either. And here, like what happens to her is initially very sad and depressing where Jennifer Tilly explains that she died in the middle of the scene introducing Jennifer Tilly to be like, mm-hmm. it's this, again, it's this heightened camp of surly self-aware thing where like Tiffany is fun. Tiffany is goofy. Tiffany's silly. And she's like, oh, by the way, your last surviving relative, that adorable kid who survived that horrible murder that happened it's, a couple of years ago, she's dead. It's Fincher, mm. Alien 3. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. But he does actually bring back the actor, Summer Howell. It does appear um, during Nika's vision. When she's crawling mm. on the floor, that's the same actor. And then obviously later on, you find out like Chucky explains via dialogue what happened, which is somehow makes it even worse. Where it's like, no, I used her body to kill people. Mm. Uh, but what happens is, you know, eventually she tried to kill somebody too big. And well, she ain't pretty no more. And it's horrible. Like it, it's somehow even worse. Again, I'd watch that movie. Universal wouldn't make it, but I'd watch it. <laughs> <laughs> but like, and again, it, it's that idea of like negation of self, which is so terrifying again 
Yeah, that is so dark. Yeah. Like, and again, in a movie that is also like weirdly camp. Again, we mentioned the cinematography, like the use of red in this movie, which I love. Mm. I love the way this movie looks. My my yeah. my wife was asking, like, oh, how did he write in blood like that? <laughs> I think you have to let it set slightly. This, uh, <laughs> blood, blood kind of like I, I coagulates kind of yeah yeah a little bit where it's kind of like it gets a bit jammy and then and, I don't know and, Andrew I, I think it's pretty arrogant of you to think you know more about writing in blood than Chucky does I do no, I, I, welcome to our I regular think my wife is a pro. my wife science. was trying to, to, to say that she knew more about writing in blood than Chucky did and I was like no I think I think Chucky first like creates a puddle and then waits a little bit he just hangs around, just plays on his phone for a little while, watches he's some Hannibal. He's very chill. Yeah, watches he's, some He's Hannibal. very relaxed about uh, about his, like, presence in that mental institution. Well, like, I, and again, I that idea of, like, Nika, again, nearly trying to kill herself after she gets the news about Alice, where she slits, mm. like, her wrist. And again, the fact she you know, slits horizontally as opposed to vertically and stuff like that. But the idea that, like, he won't let her die Again, it's that oh, it's arguably a trope or cliche. Nobody gets to kill you but me. But the idea that you get that leading to a sequence where she like pulls up the the sleeve, and the stitching on her arm makes her look like a good guy doll. Mm. It looks mm. like the stitching that you've seen on Chucky's face across the franchise, which is again yeah. this nice foreshadowing. Can anyone of this- see that stitching? Oh, it's like kind of wondering, you know. They, they, like at any point is she like oh, I'll, I'll just show people this this like comic book mm. stitching <laughs> do you think <laughs> I did this <laughs> to myself I mean the answer to that is yes it does look like something that wasn't done by a professional nurse or a doctor <laughs> no. <laughs> no. I love by the way Chucky's by <laughs> a character yeah. <laughs> yeah it does look like it was done by a horror villain maybe starring in a direct-to-video franchise I love the sequence of Chucky <laughs> stealing the uh, scalpel from like nurse Carlos who is like sitting there yeah. listening to his headphones working away <laughs> like again just how gorgeous this movie looks um, and again we mentioned mm. the Brian De Palma stuff the split screen with Chucky at the grave where she's watching kind of rear window style and we're seeing those things simultaneously so like good. the split diopter shots and things like that as well even like the use of snow um, and like the mm. white surroundings, the use of contrast, the use of desaturation, like the way in which that means that things like, say, Tiffany, when Tiffany pops up and she's wearing red, she just pops off the screen. Yeah. Her kind of red Cadillac looks like something from a cartoon. Mm. All that stuff. Like, I love that it manages to, despite costing only like five million dollars, it looks visually distinctive. It looks like it it's yeah. like put together with like great care and great thought. Definitely. And you said that like this is Mancini's kind of best directorial effort. And like, it's really interesting to see the the kind of trajectory because Seed of Chucky leaves a lot to be desired in that department for lots of reasons. But like, it's not an elegantly made film. (laughs) Um, And I think (laughs) and I think Curse sort of has, you know, it has its charms and I know it's pulling on a lot of like kind of um, crazy old ladies in houses kind of old movies and, and it looks well but it's very self-contained and it's fine but like this is much more ambitious and you can really see the the TV experience that he's had yeah. Um, and actually specifically Hannibal I mean it's just it just makes total sense Hannibal has that similar cold yeah 
sterile. And not ju- I don't mean just the weather. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Like very Canadian. <laughs> <laughs> lots of white, lots of light. It's lots a very, white, it's a very yeah. lit horror. Like that's the thing where horror. And I think we talked about, we talked about like Bride, how much of this takes place during the day, how much of the Chucky franchise mm. takes place in broad daylight as opposed to using shadow when normally you would want to avoid showing things. Yeah. But like, because the doll looks cool and dolls always look cool and practical effects always look good. The Chucky mm. franchise typically takes place in like brightly lit surroundings, which makes it even more uncanny. Like mm. the only color in that, the only color in the ward is like arguably Chucky himself. You get that wonderful contrast between this, yeah. this adorable, like what's that bit when he stopped in the corridor? Is it by, is it by Madeline where he's like, okay, let me explain something to you. I am a vintage mass marketed children's toy from the 80s standing right in front of you holding a very sharp scalpel. You're not hallucinating. What what is it he says? Um I feel like you've got it. The or basic like, essence. Very similar. Yeah. yeah. But like the oh, fact that funny. he contrasts so wonderfully visually. Again, it's that thing that we mentioned with the first one where Andy is styled to look like Chucky and it becomes uncanny. Yeah. And like the, the, the kind of the cartoon modern times stuff in the second one. This really feels like it has that same sort of vibe where you have this like these corridors that are long and white and marble and like where like walls don't seem to have joins. They just go on forever. Mm. Uh, kind of like purgatory-esque, which makes sense given the idea of like, this is the place between places. Yeah. But the idea that you have then Chucky in his blue dungarees with his red, his little red shoes um, and his mm. red hair just walking down these corridors is such a yeah. great visual. He's so cute. It's like, You're right. Like the only color you see is either Chucky or blood. Yeah. Like that's pretty much it. Everything else is like either uh, a pale green or a white. Yeah. And <laughs> he, then is, it- he is adorable, um, <laughs> Chucky. Like I, I would like to have a good guy maybe who doesn't turn bad but yeah no i don't think you want chucky in your life because odds are he's gonna kill you right <laughs> i do love by the way that like uh foley like do goes do... and picks out a chucky doll right and he's I like feel, i feel like uh oh sorry sorry i feel like um Gourley and rust have done like a fuck Mary kill <laughs> with, um, with Michael Myers yeah. and, and Frank Chucky. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, okay. no, well, no. since you've thrown the idea open to the floor, would you like to go? Yeah, first? I, I suppose it's interesting. Maybe a uh, <laughs> question to ask: Who are the three? Is is it is it Chucky? Am I limited uh, to a pool of those three, or can I pick any slasher? So, like, I I don't want to be in a situation where I have to choose Leatherface for any of these. Okay. Um... Uh, jigsaw. Okay, J- jigsaw. It is jigsaw. Then. Chucky. Okay, and uh, Freddy. Okay, is it? Uh, do I do I have any advance jigsaw. on? Yeah, well, I mean, okay, it's a, I, 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 sorry, are we talking about the little puppet guy? <laughs> no, we're, we're, we're like <laughs> Tobin Bell. Like, Cho- what's it? Tobin Bell. Bell? Okay. Oh, oh, okay. So, so Chucky is definitely going to be in in this um, in this three uh, uh, three thing. That okay. So of the three that we're selecting, so. I don't. I would have gone with Chucky, Michael Myers, um, like Michael, Michael Myers, Myers um, Freddy Krueger, and Chucky of the three. If you had to, Freddy Krueger, Mike Myers, and Chucky, and Chucky. Okay, so you're going first because this was your idea. <laughs> um, I, uh, do, I don't think, I don't think I'll marry 
I suppose I fuck Chucky because he does fuck, doesn't he? He does. Yeah, he does yeah. fuck. He does fuck. Um, that, does that's fuck. canonical, yes. Yeah, like the. Um... But don't believe him when he says he's all rubber. <laughs> that, does not, that does not count. Yeah, yeah. With I like adequate protection. Mary, yes. I I feel like Mike Myers because he 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 he's very kind of like um, like he 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 he's loyal. He's a good listener. Yeah. To um, he, he he'll never wander too far from home. Yeah, he's very he's quiet. He's like, yeah, he's kind of like sentimental. Yeah, um, yeah, and yeah, uh, uh, kill kill Freddy, I guess. Yeah, okay, because um, I want to I want to sleep well. Yeah, yeah, that's fair. That's fair. Sleep is important. Okay, <laughs> I I don't know. Charlene, it feels almost inappropriate to ask our guests to participate. Sorry, sorry. I have very strong feelings about this one. Okay, all right. (laughs) right. Well, I would marry Chucky because if he's good enough for Jennifer Tilly, (laughs) he's good enough for me. (laughs) Is he good enough for Jennifer Tilly? I feel like that. No, he's not. He didn't do do the dishes. I I feel like, I feel like, you know, we'd we'd have, of those three, we'd have a good time. Okay. I would... Fuck Michael Myers because he's probably pretty strong and virile as a man. Good shout. And then Freddy Krueger I would kill because he's a pedophile. Yeah. So That is true. That is true. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't mention so, that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I was thinking I might marry Freddy because I feel like he's a good conversationalist. But yeah, I feel like he put pretty much a kill. He it, is like, a good conversationalist. Like, I feel like of the three of Have them. Have I killed the mood for you there with call him a pedophile? Yeah, you kind of. Yeah. You, pro- you probably. No, you didn't really call him a pedophile so much as you identified him as a pedophile. <laughs> yeah, Very you do like puns though. That's you, it. Exactly. Yeah, I was like. Kind of I was like, play. I felt like the two of us like over breakfast like the two of us just sitting down making flapjacks obviously i couldn't fuck him because of the, the razors right like the, it's the razors rule out the fucking right just just no logis- they don't logistically for freddy for freddy logistically no. um no oh. you just have to be like you just have to be top and take control of that situation <laughs> it's all fine okay um, I have this all sorted for okay. you. <laughs> all right. Well, I, I guess I'm killing Freddy. People, like, bitch. Okay. <laughs> I guess I'm killing Freddy. I love that this is where our Chucky season has ended up. We've started at Kieslowski and it ends with. <laughs> we've all we've all killed, Fre- killed Freddy. Yeah, I I I killed Freddy because I wanted my sleep. Uh, Charlene's killed Freddy because he's a pedophile. He's a pedophile. And I killed him because Charlene pointed out that he's a pedophile. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and you realise you couldn't fuck him with his hand. Yeah. yeah. Uh, <laughs> okay. Two of those are equally important. Those are two equally important. So I ruled by process of elimination. I couldn't marry him and I couldn't take him home to my parents and I couldn't have some fun with him. Yeah. Um, so okay. like logically, kill him. right? Chucky. Um, I think I, I have to fuck Chucky because uh, I can't be in a marriage with him. That doesn't seem healthy at all. Um, okay, none of his relationships fair. really last uh, at all. I mean, he does have a soulmate. Only because he trapped her soul in a plastic body that was bound to him. Yeah. That, isn't that marriage? In, <laughs> in, in, in Seed of Chucky, like, I feel like... Nobody they... leaves me, he shouts in Seed of Chucky. <laughs> like, to be clear. Seed of Chucky, I felt like they kind of got it together in the sense that they're raising a child together and... 
No. Like they're doing an okay job, I guess. <laughs> Doesn't it end with Chucky's arm? Doesn't it end with Chucky's arm trying to strangle Glenn? <laughs> um, yeah. Um, the end of Cult of Chucky, that is serious chemistry. You know, like that's, that is a like going off into the sunset together moment. So if that is like, let, let's discount the TV series. Uh, okay, that's what I was about to but ask like, there. So Charlene, you know, I mean, based on what I, we I'm know. I'm just from- saying that if you were to say of these seven films, it ends with Chucky and Tiffany going off into the sunset. It's also the dead of night in the middle of winter. And the, 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 yeah. And, and, and it's a lesbian. <laughs> They're not a normal couple. <laughs> and it's a lesbian um, it uh, uh, ending. Yeah. Um, yeah. The Thelma and Louise. It's Thelma and Louise. Yeah. But they were super cute together. They were super cute. They were all like, oh, we don't care. With Jennifer Tilly from Bound. From yeah. Bound, yeah. Um, <laughs> but, um, okay. And then, uh, yeah. So that's, I, I would, I would. I'm I would, fingering Gina Gershon. <laughs> <laughs> So I, I, I would fuck Chucky. I can't believe I'm taking part in this conversation. <laughs> Sorry. And then, <laughs> no, it's, it's good. I, I'm, I'm enjoying this. And then I guess by process of elimination, I'm left with Michael Myers as my soulmate, uh, which I guess is good. You I'm the told same I took choices as me, actually. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah, maybe <laughs> oh, different yeah. logic, different yeah. logic. But because um, I, you know, Michael Myers again seems like he's a listener. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's, as you said, he never strays too far from home. He's 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 very nostalgic. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, he's a boiler suit. He's a simple man. He's in touch with real America. He's not wearing a suit and tie. Yeah, keeps in touch with his mm-hmm. roots. Knows his people. Yeah, and presumably it would mean that I get to hang out with Jamie Lee Curtis once every couple of years. You know, I mean, like, so I feel like yeah. not to discount like Michael's. I wonderful was thinking country. that you would be his Jamie Lee Curtis, but instead of killing you, he's like outside your house with a boom with box. a boombox. Yeah. <laughs> I just wanted you to be my sister all along. Yeah. That's, yeah. <laughs> that's, his, that's his whole thing with Jamie Lee. He just doesn't know how to say it. <laughs> Yeah, it's a good thing we're never going to talk about Halloween ends. But anyway, all right. So to, to bring us back to the conversation about <laughs> Cult of Chucky, uh, eventually. I love, by the way, that like Dr. Foley finds a doll that is actually called Chucky. And he's like, it's, a, you know, they had 50 different names. So I have this image <laughs> yeah. of him just wandering around. Again, the hot topic. I love that he found it in a hot topic, <laughs> hot topic. to bring it love back it. to the Bride of Chucky conversation <laughs> that we had about hot topic. But I love that it's like he presumably went down the aisle ch- pressing every single one of them to figure out <laughs> yeah. which one was a Tommy, which one was a Chucky. Mm. Um, also, like... Di- I mean, I don't know. I don't like to pick this apart too much, but like, did Charles Lee Ray just like happen to get a Chucky or was that his voice the whole time? Oh, no, it's a different when, voice. Like it's, in the like, first movie. It's it's a different voice. Like it's the I'm Chucky, want to play, isn't Charles Lee Ray? It just happened. So like, so he just happened it, to have a Charles Chucky. happened to get a Chucky, it seems. And people, okay. people called him Chucky. One in 50 yeah, chance that he yeah. was a Chucky. Yeah. <laughs> I feel, I feel like he um we didn't see the five minutes of him just rooting through the pile all, of boxes all of, <laughs> yeah, I, yeah. I think it was like only those good guy dolls from that one shop in chicago all became <laughs> chucky uh dolls and like they were i guess collector's items <laughs> but uh, that, that 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 charles put his soul into one of the dolls, but 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 there there was like a a blast radius where all the other ones got his name, <laughs> <laughs> and it just happened to even out to one in fifty of like the total yeah, batch. Exactly, uh, yeah, yeah. I guess like there isn't that much else to talk about. I mean, I w- maybe worth mentioning like Claire's death. Um, 
just because that sequence, which is very evocative. Which one is Claire? Claire is the woman who tries to throw him in the garbage dispatch and who ends up like chained to the bed and he finds the compressed air. That's really good. Yes. Which is, it's very like evocative of like Bride of Chucky, where you have the sequence with Tiffany and the bottle. And again, I like Mm. the idea that like, Chucky is learning we talked about I think we talked about like Bride and Seed where like Tiffany seems to inspire him in her Martha Stewart ways <laughs> yeah where he gets a bit more creative where he like shatters the he again shatters the bottle it blows through the sky breaks the skylight the light comes tumbling down she's decapitated again echoing what happened to him in Curse as that well. happened to me one time I, f- I fell into <laughs> a, a, a plate glass window and it it it, it went up into my leg I nearly lost my left leg when I was like about what? about like uh, I think two or three or something like that. My first memory was being uh hell pain hell no no it it was being in a courthouse and I was wearing these shorts in court and like why am I wearing shorts in court? The reason was <sighs> because my my I I was held upside down and my pants were pulled up as in like if I had been. Um, held right side up they would have been getting pulled down and it's funny because why was I wearing shorts if that was the move Uh like you'd imagine a child would be wearing shorts so that you could pull up the shorts and not (laughs) like show the entire courtroom the child's ass and and which means that like Freud's idea (laughs) about children being able to suppress kind of like uncomfortable <laughs> memories. Like I shouldn't be able to remember any of that. <laughs> to be fair, maybe your brain has like a sorting algorithm where it's like the pain of like being impaled on the sheet of glass is is more traumatic than the memory of having Do to you remember it. that at all? Not the glass. No, yeah, okay. no. Seemingly I was okay. like play- So it wasn't difficult for you to revisit that in Cult of Chucky. No, no, no. I, okay, I, that's good. It, I, 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 I looked at it and I was like, "Oh, yeah, that's like that time." Um, and I, I feel, <laughs> I feel like there's something cutesy thinking back about myself as, 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 as a child. Obviously, it wouldn't be cutesy if if it were any other child. But thinking of myself as, 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 as a young child. With like a horrible injury, <laughs> um, there's there's there, there, there's something kind of uh, <laughs> comforting about that. Oh wow! And you're still here to this day. And do you have a scar? I do, I do. I the only t- wow. one of the only times I ever see it is if I'm in a gym and I'm doing a leg press. They have <laughs> they have mirrors in the gym, so you can see like the back of like the inside of your leg. The back of the inside of your leg. Oh, so, I see. Sorry, okay. yeah, yeah. So, like, um, this is an audio medium, but Andrew is demonstrating. I'll, 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 yes. <laughs> I'm just going to take, take off. It's like the just scene in Jaws. Take off my pants. I'm, oh, yeah. I'm wearing shorts. Yeah, so I'm going to hold Andrew upside down. Yeah, it's, um, it's, it's the, I see. The scar is there. Yeah. Okay. Is to... it is it that big as you gestured? Um, I don't know if it's uh, if it, like it's grown with me. Um, okay. Yeah. A couple of inches. Yeah, yeah. It it it's 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 big enough. I also have the the teeth that I that I um like uh, smashed, um, uh, playing cops and robbers. Oh, I remember. Jesus. Yes, I've, I've, yes I've, I've heard that story. Yes. Um. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Oh goodness. Is there 
Anything else you want to talk about with regards to like Cult of Chucky? Anything jumping out of people? Any questions? Any notes? Any uh, observations? I feel like we touched on this a little bit, but I would just like to again say how brilliant Fiona Dorif is, Absolutely. specifically at being Charles Lee Ray, but just generally. Yeah. But when she makes that change, like she's yeah. so cool and so sexy, it's just like, yes, this is brilliant. I think she, I think she's great. But she's great at everything. But like the moment where she locks Andy in the cell as well, which again is one of those great downer endings. Where it's like he's finally ended up in a psychiatric institution, which is probably where he was afraid he was going to end up. Again, we mentioned it like the the psychiatric institution is an idea that Mancini's been circling for a while. It's there at the end of the Mm. first Child's Play. It was one of the ideas that he had for Child's Play 2. The idea of like Andy surviving Chucky, but ending up in a psychiatric institution locked behind closed doors. Mm. That said, I mean, I feel like when they find him and the doll is full of like blood and intestines... I feel like there's maybe some (laughs) chance that he might be able to get out. I was, you know. Yeah. It does feel like there'd at least be one of those, like, (laughs) you sign an NDA and we don't ask any questions and you just leave right now type of situations. Yeah. Yeah. Like, again, in terms of the the Nika stuff, also worth mentioning, because, again, we've apparently played, like, fuck, marry, kill and all that sort of stuff (laughs) on this podcast. But I I, I do actually think it is worth singling out. There's a wonderful, like, there is a sex scene early on with Nika, which is very rare in media to see somebody presented with um paralysis Mm. like enjoying sexual congress which i think is like yeah you know and again i'm not painting it as like a huge moment of progress but it is it is i think a little bit unusual to see in a movie and i think it's a good thing to see yeah that it's like you know you have a character who you know isn't normally presented in that way but is presented that way in a matter of fact way over the course of this movie which i think is good i think that's something that mancini has has always done really well and it's why I think um, the the TV series Chucky it resonates with a lot of young people. Is that like he's really just good at representation and not in a way that feels tacked on or that feels like, you know, um, something that he feels he should be doing. It just feels like something he he does really really well. And throughout this series, and then even more so with the TV show, I just think he's really good at it. And again, just to. to jump on the praise here. I think Fiona Dorf is is absolutely incredible. I think she's very good as Nika. I think that performance in character as Charles Lee Ray, um, which is something that may come back at some point during the show, um, but is is amazing. Um is, is she, yeah. Is like, she's really good. And she yeah, she definitely gets to flex that muscle even more in the series. Yeah. In many different ways. Yeah. <laughs> I feel um, like we're definitely tantalizing everybody with this. <laughs> um and Andrew, what about yourself? Any like We've done like the entire Child's Play franchise, but anything you want to say about Chucky in general or Colt in particular? No, no, I, I've, I feel like we, we've, have, have we spent. Has it been like we know how long each movie is? Is each movie is an hour and a half? Yes, most of these are about an hour and fifty, so we're we're not that much longer. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I think we ran long on the original and we ran slightly long on two. So we spent about 11 hours today watching these movies, right? Yeah. 10 and a half, 11 hours. Yeah. We spent about, like, say, yeah. And, and, and we... 12 or 13 talking about we, Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it, it, it's almost kind of coming up to the 24-hour point when we turn <laughs> into bumpkins. <laughs> Yes, almost. Hen- hence the if- fuck, marry, kill. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. We've just gone absolutely mental. Yeah. Yeah. Um, 
that does feel like something that will be played at some point in my life when I don't want it to be. <laughs> I mean, it does, does feel like at some point in my life there'll be a moment where it's like, so Mr. Mooney, we think you'd be a good fit here culture-wise. What? <laughs> just went into this whole thing. Nobody else had said anything. But there was there was a there was a podcast about a doll. It's like how do you put put you in a psychiatric hospital? Yeah. <laughs> it was the doll. It was yeah. the doll. Yeah, it does feel like I'll be relating to Chucky Andy when I'm on it. a I'm on a first date and it's like, so I listened to your cult of Chucky episode. <laughs> Freddie, really. Um, um oh, all right then. And like Charlene, like having watched these seven movies with us, like having like rewatched the entire franchise in a relatively compressed period of time, like you've always been a Chucky fan. Did you see the character through new eyes this time? Um, did you see or learn anything about him that you hadn't thought before? I haven't rewatched the the series since since I watched the television series. I think it's it's really remarkable to watch the whole lot of them with the you know feeling like it still has quite large cultural relevance because of the uh, TV show and watching them in their their ups and downs and even the downs are pretty good and just kind of remarkable to look at how Don Mancini through thick and thin has managed to kind of march to the beat of his own drum even despite lots of issues with like you know Universal wouldn't let him do this but he managed to do it in the fifth movie you know like I think that's been really inspiring and uh, obviously I've always liked Don Mancini but just kind of like kind of looking at them in this way I I really appreciate how this man kind of and I think I went on a bit of a rant uh, in the last hour about this but like how this man has really owned Chucky so much that I feel like he's just part of him and he just <laughs> manages to evoke a different um, nuanced bit of Chucky for each iteration. And I just think it's really fun and cool and he's done a great job. And that's what I've taken from this. And look, just one more thing before we go, because I just I, I want to note that this, you know, is something mm-hmm. that I had forgotten about when I should have mentioned this back when we were doing the development of the movie. Apparently there were two pitches that Mancini had for this movie. The first of which is the movie that we got, which takes place inside a psychiatric institution. Um, The second, and I love this idea, would have seen Nika attempting to escape Chucky on a commuter train. Framing it in terms of Agatha Christie, if Curse of Chucky was, and then there were none, Chucky 7 would have been murder on the Orient Express, albeit with more murder and less detecting. Of course, the train angle would have posed some challenges for Nika, um, but the idea is that, like he told Crave Online, I thought it'd be interesting to do something where you've got your sort of archetypal or arguable stereotypical notion of the kid who's just like, the doll is alive and he's doing this, but the kid befriends an old lady who's on the train. Like, the old lady is the only one who will listen to this kid. And then, as the story goes on, it turns out the old lady has early onset Alzheimer's. There's just something, another reason aren't people aren't listening to her either. And then it turns out she's a charmed confidant of Chucky. I kind of love how Mancini's brain works. Cool. Yeah. Um, yeah, I love how his brain works. <laughs> um, and also then, while we're talking about Agatha Christie, Harrogate is named for the small town in which Agatha Christie disappeared. Um, oh, she very famously disappeared, I think, for a week. Um, it turned out she had checked mm. herself into a hotel. I, the, the suggestion historically is that she did it in order to gain a separation from her husband at the time. But she did that mm. in the small town of Harrogate, which is why mm. the psychiatric institution in this movie is named Harrogate. All right. So this has been a really fun day. Uh, I think it's safe to say that we are done 
now completely <laughs> we are actually we are actually done, done. we are <laughs> like actually, actually, actually this time done, done. <laughs> um yes. we will i think we have teased the possibility we may come back and we may do the tv show at some point possibly before the third season airs uh, if charlene has not had enough of us um by then if i have recovered if she has recovered sufficiently <laughs> what we normally do at the end of the podcast is we ask our guests to recommend something. I love the, the resignation of that. It's like, damn it. I thought I was out. I thought I was done. Um, we ask our guests to recommend something. It could be something related to the movie, something unrelated to the movie. I'm talking very slowly so Charlene can get a chance to think about I, it. I have one. You have, have one. one. All right. In that case, I'm going to ask Andrew to go first. Um, I, I, I think I've said that I haven't been consuming much in this last 24 hours. Aside from Chucky movies. <laughs> and generally, I haven't been like reading much. I haven't been watching much uh, movies. I've been watching a television show, I think, that we've mentioned. Our sponsor, Hugh Babineau, <laughs> <laughs> uh, is in it. And, but a movie that I saw recently... That the TV show is of... better called Soul, by the way. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Dar- um, and I love that I'm like, I'm going to hijack Andrew's plug. He's plugging better called Soul, whether he wants to or not. Um, so the, uh, a movie that I saw um, that I had seen before, but I just stuck it on the other night. Um, the Raid. Oh, oh yeah. The Gar- Gareth Evans uh, Indonesian martial arts movie where a SWAT team um, have to raid a, a drug dealer's um, a, a apartment block and, and things go wrong and they have to kind of fight their way out. It's spectacular. It, it, it is very, 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 very violent. Um, uh, I feel like if you've listened to like however many hours of us talking about Chucky movies. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. But, the, um, but no, I, 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 I enjoyed it. I, I feel like I remember Raid 2 being even better. Or is that wrong? Raid 2 is more ambitious. It's very much yeah. the Godfather 2 of Raid sequels. It tries to do mm. a lot. I think I maybe prefer the simplicity of the original Raid, but I do think that Raid 2 has like set pieces. The first Raid has set pieces where you're like, how did they do that? And nobody died. Mm. The second Raid, you're like... <laughs> How fair. did they do that? And how did dozens of people not that die? Felt like... <laughs> that... Yeah, fair. And it's also like two and a half hours long. Yes. That it's something it's crazy. an epic. It that... is an epic. Yeah. That fella is yeah. thrown off the balcony and it's his back. Oh my God. <laughs> mental. Yeah. It's like, what? Mental. <laughs> I mean, if if this doesn't sound appealing to you, I would say still watch it because that's absolutely not my kind of film whatsoever. And I think it's one of the best films ever made. It's amazing. It's a great recommendation, Andrew. Did you see the famous uh, diff screening of it? I did. I was there. The, you were the, the you were let on as well. Fantastic. Yeah. 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 The 11 a.m. Sunday morning Savoy 1. Yeah. When Savoy 1 still existed. Like 1,200 uh. film fans. Sold out screening. The crowd just like so into it. At 11 a.m. <laughs> on a Saturday oh, it was like <laughs> I think like within the first 15 minutes, the audience was like on board. And it like we never lost it. It won the audience award that year, if I remember correctly. Which for a yeah, like, I'd I'd imagine so. But for twelve hundred <laughs> people, like twelve hundred yeah. people to give this like the perfect rating, like yeah, that's in, yeah, it's incredible. Sorry, it's great. That's a brilliant recommendation. Thank you. Oh, and that's it for me. <laughs> and Charlene, what would you recommend? What are you enjoying at the moment? Um, I actually kind of have two things. So one that I thought is sort of connected to this, but um, I I love One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest. And I always think it's worth rewatching. And I know it's kind of aged strangely. 
um, over the years. But I feel like we know, we know that things age sometimes, strangely. But um, I think One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest, the book and the film are really great watches. And the other thing I was going to say is that earlier today, I said I was watching season four of You and that it was good, silly fun. But now that uh, you wouldn't believe it, but I've actually had time today to watch a few more episodes of You season four, which got really, 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 really shit. And then in the middle has this deadly twist and uh, actually completely (laughs) redeemed itself. So uh, I would like to say to you all, if you gave up on You season four, uh, give give it another couple episodes because it's uh, it's sort of like just really returned to form. (laughs) Still very silly, but like in that way that you want it to be. So that's it. Yeah. Um, in terms of recommendations for myself, uh, again, mostly stuff I've mentioned already in terms of direct video stuff, the two Universal Soldiers uh, sequels, uh, I would wholeheartedly recommend. Uh, seek those out. Apocalypse you, Now, but with Jean-Claude Van Damme. What did you think of the first? Ep- oh, actually, I was going to ask you about the first episode of the Succession, but I forget that you probably have seen yes. this. Yeah. Yes, I think it's very good. In fact, of course, everybody has seen it at this point. Everybody has seen it at this point. So of you, course I've seen it. You've seen it weeks ago. Yeah, but I've also seen it now. I can now officially confirm that I've <laughs> yeah. seen it. I'm under no embargo now. And I can say it's, it's very good. Um, <laughs> Um, I yeah, unsurprisingly, the fourth season of Succession, very good. What? Who would have thought it? Um, who would have thought? Who would have thought it? Um, like there is, there's a beautiful moment in the middle of that like premiere, which is just like the essence of the soul of the show, uh, which just kind of broke my heart. Anyway, I've written about it in the Irish Independent. You can find Google me there. Wow. I've written about it at the Escapist. You can Google me, find me there, and I'm sure I've written about it elsewhere as well. So you can find lots of Succession esque content. Uh, and then two quick TV show recommendations. Uh, the first one is obviously Hannibal. Uh, which I think everybody mm. on this podcast would agree unequivocally is a masterpiece of television. <laughs> I don't like. No, I know you don't like that. That was you the don't joke. like it. That was the. Joke. It's it, it's it, it's that character. It's the uh, Will Graham Hugh Dancy. Will, Will Graham. I I don't care. Oh, I, do I you know what? I, I'm Will with you Graham. there. I'm yeah. not a big fan of. He's Will. a bit of a killjoy. He's a bit. It doesn't seem like a fun. I'm a huge fan of Hannibal Lecter and of course Bedelia. Well, yeah, if if it was uh, the murderous therapist, murderous therapist. Um, Man, love. Like it's quite a good cast. Like aside from uh, sorry, sorry, I I just didn't didn't care for him. I know a lot of people do, so it's not. Oh, I'm with you, Andrew. Yeah, I I I totally agree. He's kind of the thing in it that I don't really care for, and it took me a little while to warm to it for that reason. Yeah, then I just kind of stopped caring and just went with everything else that I loved (laughs) about it. So yeah. And the third season, which involves Mancini, is just delightfully bonkers. Um, oh, the third season is the best one. Like, that's like a season of two halves for me, yes. where like the first season is just like Hannibal and Gillian Anderson, you know, having baths in Florence and yeah. walking around in outfits. And then the second half is just Red Dragon. It's incredible. Yeah. <laughs> it's just so good. No, like, and again, the, not to get too much into it, like the first half of that season is so delightfully, um, like it's it's out of order. And it's insane mm. and it's impressionistic and it's like shot in Europe because of course it like the thing I love about Hannibal is the only reason it stayed on the air 
because nobody American audiences were like what the fuck is this like <laughs> it was on Thursday night primetime on NBC for three seasons despite like of, like record breakingly low ratings because American audiences <laughs> were like what the fuck is this um, and the reason that that was the case was because it was co-funded by European by like Gaumund over in France and oh. stuff so like they were technically paying Universal money to air it on Thursday evenings it would have cost wow. Universal money to cancel it so like the third season is like the one where they're like Universal are getting kind of tetchy and it's like well tell you what how about we fly everybody over to Europe for the first half of the season <laughs> and like shoot it on location in like Paris and Florence and all these beautiful European capitals and just make and it where nonsense good. is going on <laughs> yeah. and like it doesn't matter <laughs> shit because it's so gorgeous um and then the other recommendation, very, very quickly, is just that I, I've been rewatching uh, David Fincher's Mindhunter, um, which feels mm. kind of appropriate to this. It's another movie about institu- into, in, institutionalization, another movie about like a psychotic inside institutions, another about understanding evil and delving into its mind. It's just a beautifully made uh, TV show. It's a shame it that we won't get a third season of it, which is, is unfortunate. Mm. Yeah, it is. I really like it. And I love I love the cast. I just think, yes. yeah, I think they did a really good job. Jonathan- and I love David Fincher. <laughs> The killer's coming out soon. The the Michael Fassbender. Oh yeah. On your man your man your man with that buzz cut um Holt McElhaney? Yeah, from from Fight Club. From uh, e- like from everything. Yeah. He's like he's he's, he's also ter- one of the yeah. He's really terrific, you know. He's great in everything. He's like great. he's one of those consistently great guys. Like he's the he's the moment that like when I was watching Joss Whedon's Justice League, the moment the reason that I it took me like two minutes to hate that movie was because he was in the first two minutes. <laughs> <laughs> All right. <laughs> so wrapping up, um, Charlene, if listeners having picked your brains on the Chucky franchise are looking for some more Charlene Lydon goodness, where can we find you? Watch out. Watch up to. If, if anyone would have, has any further questions about Chucky or Chucky related activities, you can find me at, at Charlene Lydon on Twitter. <laughs> Probably talking about Chucky. <laughs> <laughs> Probably still talking about Chucky. Um, Probably. (laughs) You can follow the podcast at At The 250. We're on Stitcher, on SoundCloud, wherever good podcasts are found. If you enjoyed this very silly thing that we did for this day, uh, please feel free to rate, review, and subscribe. Uh, Maybe leave a five-star review. Um, It'll help listeners find us. Uh, again, listeners, people seem to be listening to the podcast, which is is great. It's it's odd that we set up a, 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 a podcast that is designed to be listened to, and I'm like... It's odd that people listen to this. That, like, <laughs> How many people do you think are still listening that, to this right, right now? Right now, that's a very fair point. We do have a. It's interestingly enough, the consumption rate is higher on longer episodes. Mm. I I cannot explain it. Like people will get ninety nine percent of the way through like Lord of the Rings, but will drop off for like an hour and forty minutes. I don't. I think know. I think if you're mm. like sick or if you're like if you've fallen asleep listening to it um, (laughs) if you can't like the Hannibal of podcasts (laughs) if you can't reach the next button on your phone (laughs) yeah yeah or if 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 you if you've lost your job like I I I think these like you you really do appreciate these long I think like doing chores as well yeah you want kind of something like a book or or a 24 hour long podcast cooking dinner peeling vegetables and chopping vegetables that's that's great I do love the idea of somebody chopping vegetables drifting in and out of the podcast and then coming back into Andrew saying so fuck Mary Gill Freddie Michael or Chucky Um, (laughs) I actually um, 
This is a boring piece of trivia about my life, but it feels like a good um, place to end. But my chopping board is, in fact, a Chucky chopping board. Wow. And it's white, but it's got like fake bloody footprints. Oh, my God. It says want to play written in blood. So that is where I chop my vegetables while listening to podcasts. (laughs) That is wild. Yeah. We're not going to top that. Uh, myself and Andrew will hopefully be back in two weeks. I'm not going to guarantee that we are. We've done a lot this this week. We've done a lot today. Uh, I am going on holiday and possibly never coming back. But with a bit of luck, we will be back in two weeks producing a completely unedited podcast on a, Star Trek 4. To a, to a place down under. Down under. I'm going to Oz. Um, and not <laughs> the not the HBO uh, prestige series. That doesn't sound like it's a fun place to go. Um, so join us hopefully. So in upside down now. Yeah, we're, we're upside down. We're, like uh, after the like, we're your your flight is like imminent. No, my flight has already happened. You're talking. Oh. Um, <laughs> wait a second. I've actually been oh. mid. I've actually it's, been mid air this whole time. It's a hologram. <laughs> Andrew, I'm a child's toy from the 1980s, <laughs> holding a scalpel. With that in mind, take care, guys. This is Darren from the future. Uh, just dropping a quick note at the end here, a post credit scene, if you will. Just to let you know that I was wrong when I said earlier that it was Blue that was submitted to the Oscars as a French film and was rejected. It was, in fact, Three Colors White was, was submitted as a French film and rejected because it was too Polish. I normally would have trimmed that from the uh, episode, but we reference it quite a bit, and I thought it was a fun conversation in general, so I left it in. The show notes will include that correction, and uh, yeah, obviously just uh, thought it was worth sticking this on at the end in case people listen to the end, and we're very obsessed with Three Colours trivia. Uh, Take care, guys. I am in Australia, so uh, we will see you when we see you. Bye!